Turkey hunting is one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt. When I'm hunting turkeys, it is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. If you want to go further and add some fun and versatility into your hunting program, check out Can-Am's Defender. Pretty soon I'm headed to my buddy Doug's, and we're going to be running around in Doug's Can-Am because it's like, it's fun. You can get around quietly, easily, all over his property. It's just versatile. Oh, I love it. To find your next Can-Am or to shop online and get serious about backcountry travel, Visit canamoffroad.com. Turn something that you kind of dread driving around into something you love. Visit canamoffroad.com. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. Know where you stand with OnX. Welcome back, Yanni. Hey, you know, thanks. I, I don't know, uh, Phil. Do you still have all the Yanni quotes? Uh, I don't have them fired up right now. But I think I, we should just use I, them all the time, even when he's here. Yeah, just have them ready to go. Just Why to, is that? Just to have him say funny things that he would say. <laughs> Just by sticking them in there. Yeah, I'll fire it up next time. Just to improve my podcast performance on a regular basis? That'd be a great sentence right there, for instance, to have. (laughs) I'll pull that one out. I'll put it in the bank. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be fun for me if you could time it to where Giannis cuts Giannis off. Oh, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, actually, Giannis interrupts Giannis. You son of a bitch. (laughs) This is a whole new podcast idea, I think. Stop doing that. (laughs) Why do we have a bank of Yanni quotes? Oh, you oh Yanni was on episode. assignment and missed an episode, so oh. it, it, I was afraid I'd miss him too much. So Phil <laughs> made 27 Yanni quotes. Oh, my gosh. And he could just hit a button and have Yanni say stuff. <laughs> and so Phil even set it up where Yanni had answers. Like, Phil asked him how he liked Dr. Seuss. <laughs> how he liked Dr. Seuss, and Yanni was saying he had to read it a few times to get it, but he got it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was good stuff. It was good. Uh, uh, Yeah, did you see the article that Mark from NSSF sent us about the – it's a funny article, but it's one of those articles that's meant to be like, oh, brother, what will they think of next? But there's a lawyer, Stephen Wise. That's a hell of a last name to have, Wise. Especially as a lawyer. Yeah, like I'm stuck with like Ronella, which doesn't mean shit. This guy gets Wise. Stephen Wise – he um 
He spends his time, uh, it's kind of funny, spends his time suing zoos, uh, suing them for illegally detaining animals. Right now he's suing the Bronx Zoo for illegally detaining an elephant named Happy. It's, uh, he's, it sounds like he does this like a fair bit, but then he, he like loses it, but then goes and does it again. And he brings this case up to a judge. He, he wants the elephant to move from the Bronx Zoo to a bigger zoo. And the judge has like a good point. And the judge says, but wouldn't that be just like moving it to a bigger prison? And then Stephen Wise mm. has a very wise reply where he's like, yes, at a point we could say that living on earth is a prison. Ooh. Yeah. Good lawyer. I don't think he's going to get this elephant out of that zoo, but he's, you know. Uh, it's re- the establishing human rights for animals, right, is the. Yeah. He had some other thing where, like, that, uh, that having a dog, taking your dog hunting is slavery. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it. But remember stuff. we had that uh, fish case in North Carolina where uh, they they established, um, like, an act of cruelty for leaving. Guy abandoned his house and left a oh, yeah. Oscar fish. Left the fish there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were saying, you can't do it to a dog, but you can do it to a fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they've proven that fish have feelings, according to science. Yes. You've been yeah, listening, they have? They've been listening to this podcast? <laughs> well, I actually heard that on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me first. But There's you a question. Own... Do fish have feelings? Remember that song? Feelings. <laughs> um, What's the answer to the question? Yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel she, pain. She told... Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Eventually, feel pain, we're all going to die. Not emotional feelings. They, listen, there's a these guys. That's an emotion. I, I I haven't read this. I read. I got to find this. Uh, they can play the sound of water to a willow. Yes. And it will grow in the direction of the yes. sound. We're going to run out of shit to eat because it's like. Phil having a pretty noisy beverage down yeah. there for, <laughs> God, for an engineer. They, they talked about you that. Think an engineer, well, you, 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 He's gotten quite comfortable around dude, it's like, here. It's like <laughs> negative nine degrees out. You got like an ice. What do you got? Like an iced cocktail? Uh, it's just water. <laughs> well, he's giving you the sound of water. You know, you said the willow oh, grows. That's you what know, you're doing. Was, doing some live. Thank you, Maggie. You, live sound design. Yes. That's yes. what this is. Oh, that was genius. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just thought you were being a noisy ass engineer. (laughs) No, what? Me? Um, That was great. Uh, I was like, man, that was a hearty sip filled his head. (laughs) No, we're going to run out of stuff to eat because, uh, and we're all going to die. Because (laughs) if a willow hears water and grows toward it, that makes me feel bad about eating that tree. Like beavers should not be doing that to those willows. Do you uh, you remember when we were driving back from South Dakota, our arduous journey home from South Dakota, and uh, we were talking about how we were annoyed over some of the vaping stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And my annoyance is that, uh, and I have friends like this that are they they enjoy their their vaping, their low profile smoking, um, and they're very healthy people, and they are so annoyed over this. Vaping thing and and my the annoyance, vaping thing being this realization that vaping's not good that is not good for you yeah. and I'm like and my annoyance is 
did you really, <laughs> really <laughs> trick yourself into thinking that this is somehow not reasonably bad for you, but good for you? Yeah. And that's like when, yeah, the studies of like fish can feel pain. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how is this an epiphany for people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, everything wants to live, for yeah. God's sake. Like, totally. It, yeah. Uh, a guy wrote in, I can't tell the guy, he wrote in a weird, uh, letter. He wrote in a letter, like telling a funny story, but I feel like he kind of revealed himself as, as a unsavory character where he said he was hunting, he was duck hunting in the river bottoms in South Arkansas. And this is in 2007. So quite a while ago. It was a memorable story for him. And he shot a shot a gadwall. Later, he he sees like what he thinks is a stick in the bottom of his boat, and he goes to throw it out. But when he grabs the stick, he realizes the stick's connected to the duck, and the duck has been outfitted with a little backpack style satellite tracker. Uh and he he has a wow, that's cool moment. And the thing on there says, if you find this thing, call that it needs to be returned to the LSU biology department. So he calls them, says, hey, I got your thing. Now, Grant, remember, this guy is telling it like it's a good story. Calls them and says, hey, I got your thing. They say, you got to send it to us. And he says, well, I won't send it to you until you send me a fake one back because I want to mount the duck with it. <laughs> Hold on, did he shoot the duck or just found it? Shot it. Oh, he shot ducks. it. Oh. Shot it out of a flock of gadwalls. He says, I'll give it back to you when you give me a fake one because I want to mount it with the thing on it. They never give him the fake one. And he's all proud of himself for having the their tracking device hanging on his wall. <laughs> no one's ever shown up to claim it. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to like kick your. They, they asked for it back. Yeah, showing up to claim it, like like asking for it back. <clears throat> what, what, what are they going to send someone to kick the door down? <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a science, science department. It's a science department yeah. at a school. It's not, it's not like they have <laughs> an enforcement division. Di- well, they're well, going to send and, the school and just the giant <laughs> coffers where they're like, well, just in case somebody wants a. Uh, fake version of this microscope, we can just make him one with our 3D printer. And then maybe he'll give us the real one that he stole back. I believe, who was telling us though that uh, folks that shoot collared elk oftentimes are like, so uh, that collar. Oh. Can I get, oh, yeah, right? Did you, uh, Go on. Folks ask, <laughs> they'd, they'd return the collar and then they're, they'd say like, hey, I thought this was pretty neat. And I think it stems from like folks shooting banded ducks and geese so that, you know, you keep the band and you call the number in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of like, well, I shot a banded elk. I want to yep. keep the band. But as we've talked about this a bunch and as you know, and as Carmen Van Bianchi put it, uh, and as she puts collars on game animals. Yeah. And she's like, once you put that collar, or, or an animal wearing a collar has, she says, this is a quote, someone has already got the best of them. Mm. And I was going to point this out. We, did we talk about this, Yanni? That when we were hunting mule deer in, uh, 
Wyoming. <clears throat> no, I don't think we mentioned that. Yeah, I had 250 yards away from me. Little four by four muley wearing a collar. No desire. No desire to shoot that deer. Because someone had already got the best of them. <laughs> if he would have been 187 and a half inches? No. Bullshit. Bullshit. Tainted love. Lie. <laughs> no way. I don't care how big it was. <clears throat> 210. No. I was waiting for you to say something. Well, you know, at that point, he's probably going to die that winter. Oh. So. <laughs> you want to know another good story me and Yanni heard? Uh, there's a, there's a, there was a buck. He had a name, like, you know, like you get bucks get names, like big, yeah. huge bucks get goofy names. This buck had a goofy name, like, like Jumbo or whatever. Right. And, uh, these guys we were hanging out with, they dubbed the same buck. They called it the Cessna buck because a couple of years ago, like Wyoming recently made it that you can't scout from aircraft. You can't scout big game animals from aircraft. And it kind of came in because they made it that you couldn't use drones, right? So you can't scout with a drone. And then it brings up the question where it winds up being, well, how can you not scout with a drone, but you can scout with an airplane? So it's like if you have like, if you're of a certain socioeconomic class as to have an airplane, totally cool, have at it. But if you're just some little scraggly dirt bag with a drone, screw you. Well, kind of like what the logic seems like, right? So yeah. Um, either way in Wyoming got rid of, you can't scout big game out of a plane. They said when you could, you would in this area where they hunt mule deer, they said every day, someone's flying up looking for deer. Well, before this law went into effect, this guy finds this giant mule deer, like a 245, 245 inch mule deer. And the dude took me and showed me the avalanche shoot where they found it. Found it in an avalanche chute, and the thing didn't budge. And they took pictures of it, and they take it. They take the photos to a guy. Now this is like this is as told to me. I am not sure. saying I haven't fact checked. This isn't Steve's gospel truth. I haven't fact checked any <laughs> aspect of this. This is a story as told to me. They 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 take they build a little dossier on this buck and present it to a gentleman who's like, I like that buck so much. Um, and I don't have a tag for Wyoming. I like that buck so much, I'm going to buy the Wyoming governor's tag in order to go and shoot Jumbo the buck. Problem is, he's going to use this outfitter. And the outfitter in this area has a... Uh, why are you looking at me like this, Yanni? I'm, li- I'm intently listening, that's all. Oh. Sorry, I'm intently listening. Did you get a recording of that, Phil? I did. Can we put that into yep. the... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the list of sentences by Giannis. Got it. So I'm just gonna, I want you to play that a lot just so I know that he's listening. Hold on. I'm going to redo that one. Okay. <laughs> Steve, I am intently listening, you jerk. <laughs> uh, I'm right so far, right? This is your understanding yeah. so far? Yeah, yeah. So I heard the same story. I can corroborate. So he's going to use this outfitter. And in this area, an outfitter has to stay. He has to camp. He has to overnight in a specified location. Outfitters are not allowed to spike camp. Okay, and they're not allowed to graze horses, so you got to take your horses back at night and feed them feed. You can't be sleeping out. But where they find this buck with this airplane is too far away from his designated campsite to get the client over there. So, as told to me, 
they go and say, they go to the Forest Service and say, hey, we have a handicapped hunter, a disabled hunter. We need an exemption from our designated campsite thing because we have a disabled hunter who who needs to hunt. So they're like, oh, great, go ahead. You can spike out. So then the guy still, the the this governor's tag disabled gentleman, still manages to ride, what, seven miles? Mm-hmm. And, and shoot the Cessna buck. Hey. As told to me. Hmm. Uh, what else I got? Oh, <laughs> Cal, you probably know about this. Um, I love this. A, 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 a state lawmaker in my home state of Michigan um, is proposing, like, they, they, work, they, they worked up this bill you know, they don't have like oversight, but they worked out this bill suggesting that Isle Royal National Park institute a moose hunting season because they have this exploding moose population. And uh, he feels the wolves that they're, they're trying to, they're flying wolves out there, hoping that the wolves can kill all the moose. And um, he's like, why don't we fly a couple hunters out there? What do you think about that, Cal? Kind of goes back to your uh, weeping for the willow yeah. preamble. Mm-hmm. Right, because a big part of this is that uh, exploding moose population is gonna could potentially severely damage uh, the plant life out there on Isle Royal, and that's that's uh, yeah why the big part of why I, the why of putting wolves out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd uh, it I really mean, flies in the face of what a national park's supposed to be for. Does it though? Right? I mean, does it? No, I like personally, I would love to see it happen. Yes. Um, but I could see you know it's funny. I read this in, in a publication called National Parks Traveler, and oh. I felt that they would be a much uh stronger like that I felt that when I started the article, I'm like, surely there'll be a part of this article where the author, the writer, strongly condemns this idea. Yeah. But yeah. that part never came. Well, yeah, and, and maybe it's it's because they're looking at whole ecosystem health um, and the, the fact that the wolves have not been faring well out there, left to their own devices. Yeah. Um, they put one out there and turned up dead, but they're doing a necropsy on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Because um, I know they dropped a few off, and then as soon as the water froze up, they, even though they basically had this semi-captive food source. They had hightailed it for Canada. Mm. Um, I believe that, I believe that's correct. <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because you have like national parks serve this purpose that I don't want any other public lands or federally managed lands to serve, which is a place where lots and lots of people can go and they're, you know, there's a lot more rules and folks are pretty confined and you kind of end up with this weird amusement park mm-hmm. type of crossover in, into like something that's supposed to be preserving a real wild experience. A Garden of Eden. Yeah. This guy, so it's in the Michigan State House and it's a resolution. If the resolution passes, it's not binding 
but the resolution just says it's a the state legislature passing a resolution where the purpose of the resolution is to ask the park to consider it. Um, the park officials there had already ruled it out as being quote inconsistent with existing laws, policies, and regulations. But I, the whole situation there is like inconsistent. Yes, it's, a, it's an aquarium like kind of like partially make believes situation. <laughs> That's yeah. what I say, man. Just let it take its course. Let's see what happens. You they know? can't. No, they can't help them. They can't. I know because someone has an idea of what a healthy ecosystem is, but they really can't define it. It changes all the time. They should just let it roll because who knows? It'll be like a great little experiment. What happens when the moose eat themselves out at home? And, and How do the willows react? Do they start growing toward away from the sound of moose hooves coming through the woods? <laughs> <laughs> growing away yeah. from it? It used to be caribou and lynx, right? Yep, caribou and lynx. Up into the 1800s, it was caribou and lynx. Really? And yeah. then, like, yeah, and and I think part of the the thing to consider here too is, and uh, your your better half, Jan, would probably uh, be able to talk to this a little bit. Is, um, you know, there these systems always have a bunch of research going on, and there's probably a bunch of folks that have dedicated funding very specifically to something out there, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, hey, like I'm supposed to be doing this and." You know, X, Y, Z is happening, which is getting in the way of that. And if we let this happen, then I'm not going to be able to do this. And my funding is supposed to be exactly for. Secure funding is hard to come by. I know I can tell you yeah. that, especially these days from what yeah. I hear. And and I don't know if, the, if that's exactly the case, but there's always all sorts of factors. Yeah. What do you think about all that, Phil? Uh, I just was thinking about... um. You're talking about the the willow growing away. I just immediately think of Pocahontas, the film. <laughs> Go on. Uh, There's a character named Grandmother Willow. I'm sure you guys are really into this right now. <laughs> no, I'd love to hear more, though. <laughs> oh, she's just a, a willow tree that gives sage advice. Is and, that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Growing growing towards the sound of the water. That sounds like a good idea. Do you know Neil Young's song, Pocahontas? That's a hell of a song. I don't, know. Marlon Brando. You know that one, Cal? No, Polka, I don't think huh? I do. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, big news is not entirely fresh news. Our season eight is out. Woo. Been out. Woo. On yeah. Netflix. Um, eight brand spickety new episodes there for, uh, available for streaming right now. You can go watch them all. One fell swoop. And we had a lot of questions come in about the season. And we, we always get all kinds of questions about the show, but we never, like, tackle them head on. So we're going to tackle questions about our new season, like the most pressing questions. And we had a ton. How many did we have? I think I need to make a little plug, because I feel like if Go you're ahead. listening to this and you haven't seen all the episodes yet. Is that possible? It is. It is, because I know somebody. A big Meat Eater fan, too. Doesn't like TV. Has Netflix... <clears throat> no, James Miller. You know him. You've had dinner at his house. Jimmy Miller. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about him all the time. Yeah. He's a little, he's old school, right? He still <clears throat> serves up a uh, invoice that he writes on his like 1952 typewriter. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's, he's good at it. But 
he has Netflix at home. The kids use Netflix, but he's just like not willing to go over that hurdle of figuring it out. So whatever small percentage that is, but like I tell Jimmy, I'm going to tell everybody else. It's not that difficult. <laughs> no, get, dude, it's get the on easiest the old thing internet, in the world, man. Sign up. I think Netflix is still less than ten bucks a month. Am I right there? I don't know. It's somewhere around ten bucks a month. No, they make it like incredibly easy. Yeah, you it's can like watch the smartest people in the room, man, and figuring out how to make stuff easy. Running cable is harder. Like Directv. Well, this guy tiles people's out. houses. He tiles luxury <laughs> homes. He's like. Oh, I can tile a luxury home, <laughs> but I can't tile works get my TV to work. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying that that's that small fraction of people are out there. <laughs> you know, in my, I don't want to tell them it's easy. You it, can do it. In my uh, never ending quest for beaver trapping permissions, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was uh, out surveying a old feller's uh, beaver problem not too far from here at all. And he was real curious about why I had free time in the middle of the week. <laughs> I'd be like, dude, all I do is work, man. This happened right now. I have a couple minutes to go take a look. But um, we got to talking. He, I'm trying to explain what I do. And eventually I'm like, well, you know, like Netflix. Uh-uh. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's great, man. I hope you never find out. <laughs> And he tells me, he goes, you know, I did watch a video once on that YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same guy who's like, so you uh, see you fiddling with your phone there. <laughs> you call that work, do you? And you're like, uh, yeah, yep, I do. I had a, I was at the Museum of the Rockies last night. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like to go to that little thing. Yeah. Because you get like a free beer. And learn about something? Well, yeah, it's the learning about something. And what's great is um, you can just go check out the museum mm-hmm. without paying for it. a bunch of other folks there. No, you pay. You pay. You know, oh. It's 15 bucks, I think, and you get uh, three beers and some appetite. Well, the old so ladies fight for the appetizers. Uh-huh. So no. Hops and History, is that the name of the program? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's like Brews Under the Big Sky. Ah, got it. How often do you go? I when I'm in town, it's the last Tuesday of every month. Is it like a pickup scene down there? Um, boy, you'd have to really uh, broaden your age range. <laughs> like, like the median age in the, is in probably, the direction that most people don't want to broaden. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're looking at you know, I'm gonna say 64 ish, <laughs> kind of younger than than I typically describe it to people. But uh, it's sweet. Anyway, there is this. Uh, um, the curator for the uh, paleontology department gave a talk on uh, extinct mammals. Oh. And it's always Montana-centric. Oh, yeah. You know what? You sent me a thing. I feel yeah. bad to have not gone to Dude, that. It's great. I'm trying to raise a family, man. Um, and uh, I had gone up like probably every jackass does to a paleontologist. And I'm like, so I got a bone I want you to check out. <laughs> Um, and he's like, that's a rock. And she, yeah. And she was very nice. Uh, and it was just really funny though. Cause I'm like, yeah. So did you have your famous tooth with you? <laughs> like, let me whip this out. Um, I, I had, I had, well, so she studied under your buddy down at Texas A&M. Meltzer. Meltzer. Yeah. No. David Meltzer. And she kind of knew that crew down there. I wouldn't go so far as to call him my buddy. I'd say my hero. Hero. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so that was kind of funny. But then this guy comes up and he 
turns to the paleontologist, says, hey, you did a great talk. And then he turns to me and goes, and you had a great season. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. And I was Uh, like, God, I kind of feel like an athlete of some sort. I had a great season. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Yeah, it was funny. So did you go down there by yourself? No, uh, that friend of mine, Andrea, meet up with her down there. Uh, Yeah. uh, Former roommate. You met down there or drove down there? Former roommate, Met down there. Former roommate. You guys drove separate cars. Yeah. Yeah, we dated a long time ago. And now you drive around separate everywhere. Well, I got that out of her system, yeah. 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 Uh, all the questions. You know, who com- we had a lot of questions, but the... the, the 3,000 plus. And then, but, but wow. they, they pared it down to 31. But uh, there's some of the questions when I was perusing them. I found some questions that aren't on the... I know. That's why I said we should have done it together. You know? Like there was one, like how come? Uh, it's like how come there's curse words? So many yes. curse words. Yes. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm always surprised how few curse words are in there. Yeah, I didn't feel like there was a lot of cursing. I don't even know what they were talking about, Dude, but I've heard it from numerous people. It'd curl your hair if you. Yeah, it's not it's like, like we're like. It's not like we sit around. We're like, you know what? And and uh, here, let's. Here's where we'll put in a curse word. Well, not- yeah, and what are you comparing it to, Pocahontas? <laughs> Grandma Willow? <laughs> yeah, that, when they that, want, that raccoon has a foul mouth. Yeah, they, <laughs> gotta watch the movie. When they, you know those movies, uh, like when they're watching like a, uh, I don't know, like a like Fast and Furious or whatever, they're like, ah, this is horrible. People cursing. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm always shocked how few there are. Well, I feel like we, we cut a lot. lot of, we cut a lot of them out. I feel like bad curse words we beep. Mm-hmm. But you got to leave the beep in there and the the beeped curse word because it's it shows the emotion that was going through the person at that moment. Yeah, like when Ronnie people, Bam got attacked by that bee. That's right. <laughs> people we don't we hang with. I don't feel like they oh have God, a foul so mouth funny. because they're foul people, right? They they just at, at times when emotions run high, they tend to use a, a foul word, which I think in the proper context is okay. We don't hang around with sailors, so to speak. <laughs> On net- no, I'm not good at sailing. Is there a difference between <laughs> what was coming out on cable and what's coming out on Netflix? Do you think? No, I haven't. No, I don't. I don't think that there's any. No, no. I don't know. There, yeah. I, but I, I have to go like review because I just don't think. I feel like now and then, like someone will say, like whatever. Someone will say I, some little kind of innocuous swear word but you know the other thing i wonder about is like i don't know um i'm not in jail uh <laughs> i grew up like i i can, I can, can I'm, I'm gonna, I, I can dang sure i can dang sure tell you that what I, I when i grew up i would i was uh you know my my father hung out with a colorful crew of individuals and my mother would get a little mad now and then and I was exposed as a young child to dirty words, and uh, I'm not in jail. I just don't know if that's going to be like the end of someone to hear, right? Is yeah. it going to be? Is it? Is it going to be the end of someone to hear a word, and then their parents have to say, "He just said that word. He's older. Don't say that." No, word. it's such a self-serving reason. Um, I'm going to throw my wife under the bus. Because she's like, well, I don't want my kids running around saying, you know, shit. I heard someone else's boy say shit the other day, you know. And 
It's like, come on. Like, if my kid starts running around singing it all the time, I'm going to sit down and have a conversation about when you say that, when you don't, and why kids shouldn't say it, you know? Yeah, we have words for our kids. There's words you just can't ever, ever say. <clears throat> yeah, your kids if, know them all, don't they, now? No, they don't know them all. All but one? There's one they don't know, and they'll never know it. Uh, <laughs> so there's, like, words, like, they'll just hear stuff. I mean, they, they hang out with their uncles. I don't know. They just they hear stuff. Or you're, you walking, you're walking around at night, and you trip on a... Yeah, Matchbox sure. car and say, when kids are always looking for that too because they're like, oh, I don't know what that word is. So what is that? Oh, if their like mom they're... says, if I say something is in one ear and out the other, if their mom says something, they just fall in love with it. <laughs> There's like something about like, you know what I mean? It's oh, just dad. But yeah, if their mom like trips on a Matchbox car in the middle of the night and hurts her foot, that word becomes a big part of everybody's life for a few <laughs> days. They all love it. But I'm like, there's like words you do not, like you are for, I know you heard it, never say that word. Mm-hmm. Then there's like, but you explain why, right? What oh yeah. Then there's well, you you'll get in trouble and people think you're a loser. And then there's words we're like, yeah, I get it. You can say it in the house around us, but don't you definitely don't say it at school. Mm-hmm. Well, you and I had a uh, conversation with your oldest when we were heading out to I think set uh, crayfish traps over the summer, mm-hmm. where it was like, yeah, well. Ah, uh, you probably shouldn't say it. Like you got to understand, like in certain circles. That would be like the equivalent of you like cutting somebody's head off, like that bad, <laughs> right? You, like you gotta, it's it's hard to like say like so around here, passable. Mm-hmm. You know, the next house over, that would be like the kids going to bed without dinner and gonna get locked up for a month type of thing, right? Yeah. Like, how do you explain it? Like, you guys got a hard job ahead. <laughs> It, yeah, I, I like it. It's interesting to argue about or explain to kids. Be like, you have these things, like these words, um, and like we all agree that yellow, like when we look, we agree that there's a word, Y-E-L-L-O-W, and that word represents this color, and that's like how language functions. And you throw this weird thing into it where there's like other words um, that we've all agreed are bad. But we use them all the time. It's like you get into the, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds hard. And you're like, well, why those ones? You know, I don't know. We just have all agreed that that's bad. <laughs> and, you need to get, and you need to get on board. <laughs> <laughs> Sign on the dotted line. Yeah. When you step back and look at it, it's uh, quite childish, really, <laughs> to have those words. They're like, hum it. So I know hundreds of words. You tell me that, don't say that one. No, no, yeah. that, that's right. That one don't use. You know what though? Some uh, what's a what's a language uh, professor researcher and uh, the, the, so if you get into like the the sort of history of a word, yeah, it's the etym- etymology. I don't yeah. know if there are etymologists, but I know linguists study um, language. But I guess we just mm-hmm. have to have them for times of extreme b- whatever happenstance and mm-hmm. emotion. That's why we have to have those words. That's why there's some, uh, I, I've been using the word naughty. That's why there's some naughty, like, if there's naughty words in the show, I, w- I guess I would generally rather them not be there, uh, meaning we don't go out of our way to put them in there. But there's a lot of things that happen there, like, it's it's a style of filming. Um, Yeah, it's like, like verite filming. It's like a style of filming where 
there's there's an artifice to it because you're putting people you're, you're inviting people to come and hang out and be on the show and people are aware that there's cameras aimed at them and and it's artifice there's uh there, there's a performance taking place mm-hmm. but in in the case of the show we do it like the the performance is a real thing that people actually do meaning that what you're watching would feasibly uh, would feasibly be happening in the absence of cameras. And in fact, most of the people that are engaged in it would probably almost absolutely be doing that or something very similar in the absence of the camera. But, you know, there's cameras there, and it's not like a surprise. Everybody knows they're there. They're 36 inches away from your face sometimes. Like it, it, So it's a, it's, a, it's a distorted reality, but only slightly distorted. And you are trying to capture real people in real moments and experiencing real things and real emotions. And oftentimes you get those and those moments come with um, naughty words. Do you like naughty or dirty better, Maggie, for the word description? Dirty. Dirty words. Curse words. There are dirty words that will happen and it would be when you weigh out – like getting rid of the moment in order to sanitize for for people's sensitivities around language, you just kind of have this thing. Something's happened where like that's a great moment, but that's just too much. You know, it's too much, too much naughty, too dirty, too naughty. What's your take on the folks that instead of saying "fucking"? They they say frigging. Oh man, I would get in so much trouble when I was a kid for that. You said frigging. My dad hated it because you're basically saying we've caught our older boys saying it. Frigging, we're like no 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 no. It's the same thing. I have the same perspective <laughs> my dad. It's like my dad's like we're gonna treat it like you just said it because you're saying it. Yeah. Yep. Or you're playing a game. Yeah. I remember the. Uh, <laughs> See what worst, you can get away with. The right? worst busted I, well, we ever got. I don't really care about the kids doing it. I want to know how you feel about like adult because I know some adults that have like a oh I say sort of a clean esque sort of they lead a clean esque you know path through life and so instead of saying the real curse word they say frigging. I'm like oh, come yeah, on. but I do it. But I do it now and then. And Rogan's teased me for saying frigging. <laughs> and uh, and those the the guys the the. Um, the outfitters we were with in Wyoming, they don't like to swear. Did you catch them saying friggin'? No, no, definitely not. Yeah. No, I told you, I honor their, like, they have, like, they have, they speak with honor. Yeah. Right. Live honorable clean. lives and speak with honor, but they will say like something like son of a buck <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's like really like a conscious decision to like portray, right? A conscious decision to, with your language, demonstrate a ethic or, or, you know, um, and yeah, I'm in, inter- I guess I'm just interested in language. The worst time I was real quick. Sorry. Cause I can remember this so vividly. The worst time we got busted. Like, I think the moment when we all knew that we all swore a lot and our dad knew we swore a lot was my brother, <laughs> Matt, we had a live well, like my dad, you know, those things like bread racks, like if you go to a grocery store, you know that they got that thing you roll around Mm-hmm. And it's got those plastic mesh shelves, and you put all the loaves of bread on there. My old man would make live wells by getting a, one, two, three, six of those and zip tying them together, and then putting attaching styrofoam floats and making a hinged lid. So it'd just be like a 
a water, like a plastic mesh box that could float around. You tie it to the end of your dock, and you could mm-hmm. put fish in there. And I remember we got back from we'd been fishing opening night of bass season, like going out at midnight, and we caught a bunch of bass and threw them in the live well. And then someone didn't fasten the lid down. And I remember Matt laying on the end of our dock, like bending over at the waist. So he's laying on the dock, but bent over at the waist, fishing around in the live well. Distraught about all the fish that got away. Like they someone didn't close the latch. And he's down there just carrying on. And I look, and here's the old man coming out the dock. <laughs> but all of a sudden he's just like there. And it's too late, and Matt can't see because his head's down in the live well. And he's just cursed, like raising hell. <laughs> and my dad's coming, and I can't notify him because I'd get busted notifying him. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I remember being like, oh, man, now everybody just knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's all out in the open. It'll never be the same. End of the innocence. A question for Maggie that came up. There's two questions. My favorite, people say, What's my, what was my favorite episode of Workout? It's the one that Maggie's in. Maggie and Tracy. Well, thanks, Steve. This is the best episode. It's an honor. Maggie's first turkey hunt. Mm-hmm. Screwed it up. <laughs> thanks. I just watched it. That's great. Yep. Now everyone can see that I screwed it up. Dude. You can watch it on repeat. My, by far my favorite episode. So Maggie went through hunter safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but the episode ends and you're talking about how you wanted to go back out and you said you're going to go back out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And some person's like, did she go back out on Wednesday? I unfortunately did not. <laughs> Too much work to do, but Yanni got to go out. <laughs> yeah. I, must I had to edit. <laughs> I didn't have as much work to do. Oh, yeah. If you watch the if you watch the episode we're talking about, you know the the bird, Sneaky Pete. Yeah. And Yanni went back. And got my ass handed to me again. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was pretty much brining his breasts as I was sitting there in the dark. I mean, I couldn't have been <laughs> definitely closer than 50 yards, the tree that I was leaning against to the tree that he was perched in. And I, When you went back solo. Yeah, I thought there was no way. And it was funny, too, because I snuck in there. In the dark? and I, In the dark, and I hadn't heard him gobble. I sit down, and I was there for at least... Homer, but you just knew where he'd be. He was in the same tree, man, yeah. every time. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going was going for broke, hero or zero. I kind of ended up with something in between. Because I got the hero because I sat there for 10 minutes in the dark, long enough to start second-guessing myself and to think, well, maybe I should try to salvage the morning and go look for, you know, try to strike up another gobbler. And... All of a sudden, he gobbles. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) He's right (laughs) there, you know? And I'm here, and I haven't, like, moved, haven't, no noise for 10 minutes, like... Like, no calling. Nothing. I wasn't going to call. I was going to just let him fly down in front of my gun barrel. And And at that point, you were like, hey, bud, you want to just jump in the truck? It was basically (laughs) over. Yeah, pretty much, man. I got. Did you know what his landing strip was? Because we, I had, had, hanging right here in in our studio, uh... Our, our probability thing. Yeah. He had two landing strips that we knew of that we knew, knew that he had, you know, kind of, we never saw him actually fly down, but we, he would appear and we'd see which way he went. And twice we watched him. So we knew he had gone two different directions. And I definitely had one. It was the same direction that we set up. Maggie and I set up where we had him come by us. I had set up on that same sort of general path. And I thought I had set up kind of, 
choked in tight enough on him that if he went to the other way, I would catch a glimpse of him. Well, somehow, I don't know. I can't. He didn't gobble as hard as he had earlier in the week that morning. I maybe got 20 gobbles off the tree, and then he hit the ground and didn't make another peep until he was 400 yards away. Where did he hit the ground? Like, let's say he's at the center of the clock, uh-huh. and you're at the 12. Uh-huh. I don't know for sure, but some, saw, somewhere between three and nine, you know? So on the far end of the clock. <laughs> if, yeah, but if he, so it wouldn't work just to lean against Sneaky Pete's tree because he pitches up too far out. Plus, how are you going to get in there? Because you got all day to get in there. Oh, no, at night he, when he's coming you back. Know for a fact, Sneaky Pete comes back to the same tree every night. Why can't you sit with your back to the tree? You could do that for sure. Why didn't you guys this do was, that? This was a morning hunt. Yeah, that, but why didn't you? When you why, why didn't you do that? Well, we just about did. Why didn't you do it that night when you went back solo? I did that. That was a morning hunt. That I, when I went, why back didn't you just solo. hang out and then? Oh, because I had, I was at work by like nine thirty. <laughs> yeah. I hunted him for an hour and left. We did go out though one other morning, but not Sneaky Pete. Yeah, Maggie and I went and hunted turkeys another morning. Oh, so you did do a turkey return? Yeah, but we didn't even... Not the same zone, though. Not we just, the same We zone. just hunted locally here in Bozeman. Nothing. Nothing. Dead. Not even a gobble. I was very impressed with... Um, and I, I kind of want to know if this is like this for people that watch the episode, but um, I had bumped into Maggie earlier this week or last week and said, oh, man, I haven't watched that yet. I got to watch that. And then uh, watched it. And I was amazed at like how, even though I knew what the outcome was, mm-hmm. how I was like, shoot it. Sh-. Like I wanted <laughs> yeah. Maggie to have that type of success so badly that like part of my brain was still like, she can still make it happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when we started cutting the episode, Ugh. months went by, we started cutting the episode. And the minute I finally got to watch, I wasn't there at the moment. You know, I was off doing my own thing. When I got to watch the footage, I just immediately called her. Call like, me like four times. Yeah, I was like, I, I, I was like, I just, I just don't understand what, what you're thinking. I what? I was too much <laughs> thinking too much. It's frozen. Are you gonna? Um, have you? Did you hear from people that you? What when the show came out? Did you hear from people you hadn't heard from in a long time? Yeah, a lot of people from high school. And what did they have to say? Like, what were you thinking? They were just stoked. <laughs> Honestly. So no one called you to dog on you. No, I think they were more like jealous of the opportunity that I was given. High schoolers. Yeah. Tons of. Minnesota. Yeah. Tons of guys from high school. Guys from high school. Mm-hmm. And the old flames? No. People don't say that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> People don't say that anymore. <laughs> well, I was I was a nerd in high school, so. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Bad? Val Victorian. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good deal, Maggie. I made a lot of friends by helping people cheat in high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can do a little hunting this fall? It's not on the agenda right now, but I wouldn't be against it. You don't have I'd a like single hunt planned? No. I heard rumor. That's not true because I heard a rumor this morning about a little hunt plan. Well, I thought you were going to duck me. hunt. Maybe with Hansi, but he already yeah. did duck camp. I didn't know he was done. He just did it for like a week. Oh yeah, but you you don't you just want to do like the early mornings around here. Yeah. Yeah. We can make that happen. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I Fun heard game. someone mention getting you out on a little white tailed doe excursion. 
I'd be game. This is what I heard. You're willing? Yeah. But you haven't like, so what, you're one of the people we always hear about. There's this big conversation in this country, in in the sporting community, about uh, R3. And what R3 is in and in and in and in and recruitment, retention, reactivation mm-hmm. of hunters. Um, my brother's vehemently opposed to it. <laughs> and, and, I, and I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Like, why would you want more people out in the woods? It's already yeah. crowded. But um, you, you'd like a case study because the thing is you can – what they find is you can take a – you get a new hunter. You take them out hunting. You show them a great time. Um. But then they don't go out. They don't go out. They're like, oh, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. I'm so glad I did it. But then they don't, on their own volition, Mm -hmm. go back out. Yeah. So what is preventing you? Too busy? Really busy. But I don't know. I think like to go with other people. I still think I have a lot to learn. So you need more more tutelage. More confidence out there. More tutelage. Yes. But I have a lot to learn, and I go out by myself as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm still just intimidated by it, too. You think so? Yeah. So where do do you think Maggie is in the R3s? (laughs) Because technically, she's been recruited. Yeah, I mean, no. Because she bought the license, right? It's still still recruitment phase. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like reactivation. It's like you went out turkey hunting, (laughs) but there's the retention. Retention, yeah. right? Yeah, she might be like, somewhere between recruitment and She might retention. be like R1.5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it a thousand times more. If you got a family and you got people that rely on you, you need to take life insurance seriously. And Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. So with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Your life insurance policy you know, that you get at work may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. Now, this is super convenient, right? Because a lot of times, you know, something like life insurance, you're just going to put it off because you're like, well, will I ever have time to do that? I don't even know who to talk to about it. Well, this helps you do it online. Okay, again, you're comparing options from top companies, all right? Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Dogs, I'm in the navel, and I hear, Pow! I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Dogs' place on, on X and I'll look at the topography and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them, okay? comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them 
to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you, too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Uh, uh, okay, Yanni, go ahead and rip one out. Question. Oh, I, <laughs> got, a couple, I got a couple faves, man. Well, why don't you go? Let me look no, at no, this no. list. Oh, you want to take a look at the list? <clears throat> yeah. I got another one. Uh how do y'all spend so much time together and yet maintain such good friendship? Ooh. That's a good question, but it doesn't uh we don't have the problem of um I don't know why. Yeah, honest, we don't, we honest, don't have the problem of people getting of uh we've oh, had, I think we've that had question some scuffles. was directed directly at you and I. When, oh, I, that's what when, I, when I read it. Oh. And I think that they have a distorted view of how much time we spend together. I spend more time with you than I do with my wife. Come on, not quite. <laughs> yeah, spend a lot of time together, but like nuts on a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at it now. We've been trying to have a meeting for at least a week because we haven't been out filming, in a and week. we haven't had it. We haven't been able to get that done. Okay, so, I never see you, Yanni. I don't know. I we, was, we get into some. We have some scuffles. Yeah, but I yeah. was going to say if we had the time, we'd probably. We'd hang out more because we'd go hunting and fishing together. Yeah. But we're always um, too guilt-ridden. When we're home, we're trying to be like how you're supposed to act. Yeah, and in the wintertime, I turn into a skier, and you don't. Woo! Yeah. You like to ski, Maggie? Oh, yeah. I ski raced growing up. Well. It was not on Annie's level, but. Um, Yeah, I don't think that it's, I've never had it, uh, we've had some disagreements but never had a uh, never had a problem. But I think it also it, it re, it's something that like reinforces itself because at this point, if we were going to not get along, we'd have not gotten along a long time ago. That's right. I think so, there's something to be said that like a huge part of this job is communication too. Mm-hmm. Like, and you guys are practiced, skilled communicators. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just not something a lot of folks are good at and obviously oh you guys probably aren't good at it 24 hours a day you mean the ability to always be like here's what i'm thinking here's what i'm thinking yes. here's what i'm thinking Stop. i understand i understand where you're coming from but here's what i'm thinking let me explain this again this is yeah, yeah. right not a whole lot of tongue biting yeah yeah that's actually probably um the lack of tongue biting can burn i uh, probably can burn things out 
but I think it like done in the right way with a certain level of uh, maturity, um, a lack of tongue biting is probably good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree a hundred percent. Maggie's very good at this. She, she lack of tongue biting. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Cause you, I said something to Maggie, um, and she immediately clarified like, Hey, you, you said this to me this was like a five minute time lapse. Uh-huh. Is this what you intended by that? And I was like, Oh God, no. I was like, <laughs> I was just joking around. And really? Yeah. And I, and in God. turn, I said, Hey, thank you very much for, for, you know, following up on that. Cause that would have been that rather than spending all week thinking you meant something, you said something that you didn't say or months for some people. Right. And then it's like, well, Ryan thinks this. And it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> huh? Well, thanks, Cal. Yeah, very good. <clears throat> I think that's part of just my job, too. Yeah. Let one rip, Ronnie. Maggie, you got one? I know you got to go, did... but you want to pick one out? Did you have one picked I out? I didn't have one picked out, so you do one. I'll do I'll... one, then you can pick one okay. out. <clears throat> In the uh, Blue Mountain Bugle episode, which is the archery elk episode in Washington, um, we lost some of the elk meat and this, uh, <clears throat> fella wrote in, can I say their Instagram handle? No, I wouldn't. I kind of like his. Um, <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> how much meat did you lose from that elk and how do you decipher between good and spoiled meat? That's a great question because it's hard to do. And I now, in hindsight... We spent a lot of time farting around with it. Yeah, in hindsight, I feel that I was... Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know if it'd be... I was going to say that I was too conservative or too liberal, but I don't know which how it would apply here. In hindsight, um, I was thinking things were closer to bad than they were. Hmm. Because... Nothing I've pulled out of my freezer and thawed. Right. Whatever that smell, there's like a smell of souring flesh. And once it gets in your nose, it's like trapped in your nose for a long time, I think. And I think that you start psyching yourself out and you're thinking that everything, right? You can't get like a clean, you can't almost get like a clean palate. So thawing stuff out of my freezer now, I thawed out and like smells. Smells like elk? Yeah. But smell. So I don't lose any other way. Well, no. Remember that morning we were—I don't know if it was the maybe it was the uh, afternoon. Or I think it was the afternoon before that. The, our last afternoon there after we had packed it out, we were taking chunks of meat off of certain areas that were questionable and cooking them on taste testing them. Yeah, and doing a little just fried in a pan, a little ketchup on the side. I took some pictures of that. Yeah, taste testing. Yeah, because you can get like some iridescent meat coloration. Yeah. Right? Just like even at home where that kind of, that's got a weird well, you can see green the, You can shine. see it in a meat counter now and then. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with iridescence. Is I don't it? think it's no, like, it I doesn't mean that so. it's getting fresher. <laughs> it doesn't iridesce on the carcass. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it it's hard to like, yeah, just do a visual inspection and obviously the nose can give you away. The one big game animal that I've got where we, it was just you couldn't do anything with it. Um, we did, like, the smell thing was just getting overwhelming. And we would cook pieces of it in butter and then go out. We were, like, processing it in the kitchen. 
cook pieces and butter and then go outside to just get in the total fresh air and then taste it. And every bite, you're like, ah, God, it is not like we were like, it is not in my imagination, man. It is rank. That uh, bowl I lost in New Mexico this year, I started cutting the thing open and um, the bile was coming up through the ham. Mm. Really? Yes. Like it was swelled up so badly that the the hide had like lifted off of the face and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But I was like, well, because it was less than 24 hours. And I was like, well, the, if something's going to be good, it's going to be, it's got to be like the top of this back strap because it's not underneath the weight of the elk and it wouldn't have gotten like the full effect of the sun. And, and yeah, man, I, I peeled that hide back and, and like bile was coming up like impossibly it seemed through the meat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I want to give this a, cl- a cleaner answer. Lost more meat than I'd ever want to have happen again. Like top chunks of the back hams, anything around the ball joint, um, tenderloins. It's like some of the, the like the part the on the downside part of the animal, like the like the heavy part of the shoulder. A lot of stuff. I mean, some of the neck. Um, but certainly not fifty percent. No, but I mean, it's like it was felt like a real disaster to me. Yeah. I mean, just who wants to, I, I remember one time losing, uh, killing a bull one night with my bro. And I don't know why we thought it was going to get cold that night. And we were afraid to open it up because of grizzly bears. Mm. And we're like, let's just go sleep for a little bit and come back right at daybreak. And we had lost just handfuls of meat from around the ball joints on the back legs and being like, man, I'll never have that happen again. And it happened again. But the, in terms of like the testing, I think there's, I guess it's like there's there's three things. Some of it, like the, the the bull I'm talking about that I lost my brother when we didn't want to gut it because we didn't want bears to find it or to decrease whatever percent, decrease the chances of a bear finding it by not gutting it um, and just not, you know, not wanting to be out there all night messing with it and just being dumb and lazy. Uh, color. Greenish blue, like greenish blue color. You can get like meat will sour and it'll get a color to it. And you know what you're looking at when you see it. You buy that? Yeah. Smell. And then finally, the, the, I guess the, on, the, one that, the only one that really matters is taste. And so sometimes you'll see it. It'll be green, greenish blue. It'll have a bruised look to it that's souring. And then the smell is just it smells like what you think it smells like. It smells like something that's starting to rot. And the taste. They'll start to get slimier too. Yeah, that's a good point. Very soft. Rotten meat is soft. Yes. You can you can put a finger into it. Like you can run a finger into rotten meat. Yeah, if you've I've been thinking about that lately because I've been doing some butchering and you can definitely um, just when I start handling the meat, I'm I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be tender or this is not going to be mm-hmm. tender eating. And certainly the longer it hangs, the more it gets that. Yeah, because you can get, or I, I have messing around with aging. You get that enzyme layer. It's kind of like uh, all of a sudden you have an extra layer of liquid on the meat that wasn't there before. <laughs> um, 
that's her. Uh, that's real roll of the dice. Yeah, it's like you know you got to do something with it right then. Uh, but I, yeah, oddly enough, never lost anything doing that. But that's some tender meat. You got one you want to rip out now, Maggie? Yeah, just because you know I'm part of the production team. What's the hardest part of hunting with a large production team? Oh. Does it ever play a role in how many chances you had with animals? There's some things you gain and some things, there's some things you gain and things you lose. I also don't think our team after being out there is that big. I mean, you guys really go, you know, small team. Well, when you compare it to being by yourself. Yeah. Four people's a lot. Totally. Or whatever. Totally. There's things you gain and things you lose. Um, The extra eyeballs are absolutely nice. Especially when you're just having like a big old glass in session on top of a hill. And you're not spooking anything anyways. You're just looking. It's like the extra eyeballs is great. And we have some camera guys that even bring their own binoculars. When there's nothing to do, they like to glass. They just think it's fun to glass. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you pick up. They pick up a lot of stuff. So you're seeing a lot more stuff. Up close, it's just harder. Waterfowl is just harder. It's just harder. Yeah. Um. All in all, it's, it's – it's definitely not beneficial all in all, but, um, you know, the extra eyeballs is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, up-close stuff is, 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 can be tough. Yeah. And um, there's a tendency, I think, the on-camera people have a tendency to want to blame everything on the camera people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the first place I go. <laughs> Someone did something. Like, I never spooked anything. It's always who's ever with me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's a spirited, there's a, there's a there's like a, a a spirited, friendly tension, um, that goes on where you're paying people to do a job, and their job is to film stuff, mm-hmm. and they need to film the yeah. stuff, and so they're a good camera guy, um is willing to take whatever abuse they need to take to like respectfully get the coverage they need to get. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, from my perspective, I'm like, I'm interested in making a good show. A thing that will help us have a good show is having some action. You're preventing us from having a good show. Yes. By fidgeting around too much. Yeah. But it never comes to blows. I'd, I'd be curious to hear Giannis's perspective on it. I don't know if I have much to add. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Um, Ducks is tough. Play a role in how many chances you had with animals. I, I really like um, the, you know, you're, like you said, you're paying people to run a camera, and the people that run cameras, part of what they're doing is always looking for like pretty things and interesting things. And I feel like that's, it's just I I enjoy being in the woods with people who are like it's not a big giant bull elk, but it's just like a really cool, you know, lichen covered rock or you know all sorts of little detail things that are really cool that make up a good experience in the woods and and I always like that. But there are always those times where you're like, yeah, I wouldn't have been moving right then. <laughs> But it took us a long time to get over here. It, it's it. We put a lot of pressure on them. It's a tough job oh, because yeah. if they don't get the shot in the field because they were sitting behind you, because all the hunters never want the camera guys to get out in front of them. 
for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to break the skyline before you do. They're not going to be looking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then when we get back and you're in the editing studio, and you're like, where's yep. the shot? How come there's no shots of me walking at the camera? It's like, well, dumbass, because you were yelling. <laughs> Like stay behind and stay low the whole time, you know? So And doesn't make for a fun edit or interesting edit either when it's just behind footage. No, no, no. So but the balance. good the good guys, the good really good ones, they know it so well and they've been out so much that they know like you're going up a hill mm-hmm. and they'll know if they want to get out front to get a walking toward shot, they're like reading the landscape all the time. And they yeah. know that like at the top of the hill they're going to shoot me if I crest over the top of that hill before they get there. Yeah. And so they'll like run out and get their shots. And they're kind of like watching the top of the hill thing. Cause then they know at the top of the hill, they better be back behind you in case you crest over and see something. And they start to, it's fun when it can't, when you get someone who's so, so schooled in it that they're, that they're doing all that in their head. Yeah. You know, and they know like when you get up to a spot and you first sit down in the glass, they know to hold tight. Then you, you kind of like get a good look around. You know, there's nothing immediately around. Mm-hmm. They'll get up and do what they got to do. And and then it's fun. You know, then yeah. the tension levels go way down when they really know the situation. Yeah. But we don't have camera guys that come. We don't work with camera guys that really come out of a hunting background. No. That's a tough thing to find. Yeah. I would rather have someone that like knows how to film more than knows how to hunt. Mm-hmm. I think that it's probably easier to learn. You've come around then. Yeah, slowly, begrudgingly, I have. <laughs> I have. It's, I mean. I mean, it'd be great at both. But yeah, begrudgingly, I have. Because it's just the one, like, knowing which shooters just work the best, right? If, if, you know, the, the shooters we have that are just, like, such, we have a bunch of great shooters. But the shooters we have that are just really special ones that are kind of, like, part of the family, they didn't come out of that. Mm-mm. You know? They always have lens cloths. That's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> yeah, when my, when my binoculars get uh, messed up, I'm like lens cloth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they know how to keep stuff dry. Uh, mm-hmm. How much scouting goes into each of the new locations you hunt? Man, it's that's a weird one. I'll try to answer this one uh, quickly because I feel like we talked about it. So we go to, we're always filming in new places. We're, we're rarely filming in a place that we hang out a whole bunch. But we have professionally over the years developed such a network of contacts and can kind of really like find anyone anywhere within two or three phone calls usually that it's we don't scout the way most people are forced to scout we like a lot of people scout like the old-fashioned way like map reading you know looking at aerial images, which we do, but a lot of our stuff, just because we know so many people and are well-connected, that a lot of our scouting is people being like, yeah, man, I hunted it two years ago, and you should check this out, check that out, check this out, check that out. Um, We just have a different scouting method. Yeah. As far as species go, we don't really dive in too deep, because usually, I don't know, I think we like learning kind of on the go while we're there, and it makes for interesting content when we're learning while we're filming, mm-hmm. right? Because you can then kind of sort of take the viewer along with you through that ride about what you're learning, whether it's about the landscape or the animals. Um, but Often, I think sometimes it can hurt us too when you get like, one, we have a busy schedule. So it's not like we have one big hunt lined up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research it all summer long and go and scout it one time during the summer and get ready for it. 
we have a bunch of hunts going on. So sometimes I feel like it hurts because we're just not doing as much research as we could. It's we're a little bit flying <clears throat> through the night and, uh, you know, getting some hot tips from some guys and just hitting the ground going, you know, and it's fine when I mean, we have a great time and we have success and we get it done. But I think that if you, uh, you know, put 10 times more effort into the research and scouting, we would do better, you know? A good example of the one we talked about would be um, where we filmed, where we filmed, started out filming the turkey episode that you, Maggie, um, Mm -hmm. and Tracy were in, is one of the guys we work with had heard some birds gobbling right where we started. But then it took five minutes to realize that that's not happening. Yeah. And then any sort of like quote unquote scouting that we had done was basically someone saying, Hey, there were some birds here, whatever, yeah. last spring or the spring before that were ripping right here and they weren't there. And then from then on, we were just off to the races. Yep. Running around. Flying by the seat of your pants, figuring it out. Kelly, you got any faves? Um, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good stuff on there, but I feel like. We kind of hit some of it often, but you don't have one, Cal. I don't have one. No. <laughs> do you want to look at that out, Phil? Do you want to yeah. look at the list? No, and I'll pick look at one the list out again. Yeah. <laughs> have there ever been? Someone, someone asked this question. This is a good question. Have there ever been any planned episode hunts that have turned out so bad they never aired? I liked that question too. The answer is yes. Yes. Next question. One or <laughs> one, one for sure, kind of two. One for sure, kind of two. So we wound up using a fair bit of one once. Uh, you had to refresh my, well, not refresh. I know which ones I think you're talking about. We did, we, we one time did sort of this like homage to Mule Deer long ago and pulled oh, yeah. from an ill fated Mule Deer hunt. Mm-hmm. pulled footage but yeah but we've that, done 120 some episodes now something like that yeah and the only one that actually that we just fully didn't use was the bear hunt right mm-hmm. yeah 120 some episodes and there's one time there's one thing we didn't use one of my proudest uh i think sort of a i don't know if it's an accomplishment i guess it could be an accomplishment but as a <laughs> producer of the show is that we went to do another episode of Sooty Grouse with Barbara a second time around. And it wasn't until some point at some point during that episode, we started thinking, you know what? We might have a pretty good prequel to this. We should look at that footage that we think is so bad that they're in. There is no episode there. And we went and looked at it and we said, you know what? There is a epi- an episode here and it'll be a great prequel to the one with Barbara. Yeah. And so we re- I, I, I'm proud to have resurrected one that was in the can. Mm. Or not in the can. How would you say it? <laughs> it was <laughs> In the cards? <laughs> No, archives just chopped. <laughs> so someone's wondering uh, when hunting out of state or out of the country. Let's just keep it to out of state. What are the logistics when traveling with the meat and firearms? Firearms are easy, easy to travel with. Uh, it's just easy. You take your ammunition. Your ammunition has to be in a box designed to hold ammunition. Mm-hmm. It's best is to carry your ammunition around in the box that you bought it in. But if you're a hand loader or whatever, and you use those little plastic 
What's that company? MGM, not MGM. MTM. MTM case, whatever the hell you keep your ammo in, a box designed to hold ammo. Mm-hmm. And slap a label on it. Make it obvious it's ammo. Yeah. Like you're probably going to run into some issues if for some odd reason you had a bunch of 30-06 rounds jammed inside a toothpaste tube. Yep. <laughs> or, yeah. In well, the... no, no, no. That would be illegal. Yep. Yeah, they're going to probably question you. As to oh, why. you mean like, oh, no, it's in a box. <laughs> it's in my travel toothpaste box. They'll not like that. It has, Correct. Yeah, does box yeah. made, yeah, designed for carrying ammunition. That's a good point. I'm not following. That if you just had a box that you think is great for carrying ammo, but it wasn't like an ammo box. No, it stays specifically. Yeah. It's got to be designed to carry ammunition. So yeah. It can't be a toothpaste box. Yeah, and I I was thinking along the path of why would somebody th- make that point specifically? It's probably because oh, somebody it, was at, like, at once upon oh, a time it said in a box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that can go well, I think, in your regular old duffel bag. Yep. Or, or in your case but that being said all these things that we're going to talk about now you should it it depends it's not so much a tsa they have some rules too but the separate airlines have yes separate rules so before you fly you should just go to their web page look up traveling but i'm going to tell people how to do it i'm going to tell people right now and you're going to you're going to try to cloud it by talking about what am i going to try to cloud because yes with some airlines you're allowed to put your ammo in the case but oftentimes the people at the counter don't know the rules, and that puzzles them. I always print out the page on the airline website. Dude, I was building this up as how easy it was, and all everybody's doing is making it seem hard. Well, just okay. Go ahead, Air Canada, man. They are the worst. That's why I said we're going to keep it to travel within the country, right? But I always just print out the page, and I say, I was like, hey, I will do whatever you guys want to make this process easier, but this is what your airline says to do. Here is the printout from, yeah. from your website. I've, I've had to do that in the past, is refer someone to their own policy. Yes. Can I just do it in a very nice way? Can I get back to telling how easy it is? <laughs> yes, please. I just want to tell a fail-safe way. A box or two of ammo. Can't have more than seven pounds of it. Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> well, you got to get your shit straight okay. if you're going to be You the... can't have more. This is per airline. You can't have more than 11 pounds, which, which, trust me, is a lot of ammunition. <laughs> a box or two of ammo in the box you bought it in. And put that in your duffel bag. Put in your duffel bag. Don't just put it in there, however you want to put it in there. And you take your firearm and you get a case. And your firearm's unloaded, and you don't have anything else in the case. And you just have a gun case. It's a hard-sided, lockable gun case. And you have a TSA lock or a padlock for every lock spot on the case. Meaning if there's four padlock holes, four padlocks. That's why you want to buy a two-padlock hole hard case. You get a two-padlock hole hard case. I use Boyt and Pelican. Put your padlocks on there. You walk in. You say, I have uh, two bags of check, one of which, this is the language I always use, one of which is a firearm. They will then hand you a little declaration that says, I do hereby swear my gun's empty. You sign it, you put it in there. They either put it on the belt or they have you take it over to the excess baggage place and you hang tight because someone's going to inspect it. 
They inspect it, make sure it's not packed full of bombs, and then you go on your way. And when you go to pick it up, it doesn't come out in the luggage carousel. Used to not too long ago, but now it'll come out in the special bag. Like where you go to file a claim, mm-hmm. when you they lose your bags, they'll hold it. You go and you show them your ID, they hand you your thing. Sometimes they'll put a big zip tie around the box. They're, Nothing to it. They're supposed to all put a big giant zip tie on it. Man, that sounds easy, Steve. Dude, easy. Now, with meat, man, we've done a hundred things. I'm going to try to give the most typical way, the most typical best way to do it. You go off some other place. You go out of state. Let's say you go to Maryland and you get a Sika deer and you want to bring it home. Um, now, maybe, I don't know, maybe your uncle has a processing shop, whatever. I'm just talking about like normal, just normal how we would do it. We would get our deer, bone it out. And leave it in big primary cuts. So like bone the thing out, put it in gallon size Ziplocs, and in a perfect world, put a good freeze on it or some freeze on it. Or Take, just get it cold. Get it cold, Make put sure a freeze on it, whatever you do. And then load it into uh, Yeti hoppers. 40s were great. 40s are no longer made. That's so now 30s. Because a Yeti hopper... You're allowed to check 50 pounds per box. If you have a big, like, a big hard-sided cooler, you're eating up your poundage with the cooler. But with the hoppers, the hoppers weigh six, seven pounds. So when you check 50 pounds, you're actually legit, you're checking 43 pounds of boneless meat, and only seven pounds is the cooler. So we zip it into hoppers um, and fly home, and then when you get home, throw it in the freezer, or if you got time, sort it out and package it all how you want it. But if not, if we're leaving again on another hunt, we'll take those gallon-sized Ziplocs, put them in a freezer, and then in the winter when you get time, pull them back out, let them thaw enough to break them apart, trim them, whatever you want to do, get them recipe ready, and then go back in the freezer. And people will be like, they'll make this sound that I often make. They'll make a sound like, do 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 You can't freeze it and then thaw it and refreeze it. You can just hear this person on Instagram in the comment section. You can't. It's like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And the reason I know you can is because I have eaten literally thousands of pounds of meat that was frozen and then thawed and refrozen. And I'm still here. Not in jail. What is the reason someone would leave that comment? Like, what is the... It's just one of the things that people... You got your, you got your people that don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay? You got your people that don't know, and they just think you can't because of sanitation, whatever. Then you got... You're like people who are like Joe Wild Game, mm-hmm. even though I'm more Joe. <laughs> but you got people who are Joe Wild Game, and they're like, well, no, actually you can't because of the moisture loss and because of the food temperature stuff. Yes, you can. You can because you can. we do it all the time, and we're all fine. The other thing that I want to throw in here is, and I hear this often, if you want, if that meat is near and dear to you and you want to take it home, it can be done. Don't let anybody, wherever you're at, yes. tell you that, oh, no. Yeah. Like, sometimes it takes staying up all night and getting things really separated to get them cooled down to an appropriate temperature, but it can be done. I hear horror stories about outfitters. 
really going out of their way to discourage clients wanting to bring their game home because it just adds to the stuff they have to deal with. Yes. Yeah. Bad. I one time was flying out of, I can't remember what airport in Florida. It was back. Is JetBlue still an airline? Yeah. They were telling me that it was like Palm Beach or something. They were saying that we have a policy that no one can fly with fish. I'm like, that cannot be true. JetBlue was telling you that? One time. And I raised a big stink and didn't let me check it. But someone at the counter tried to tell me that you can't fly with fish. Like, you can't fly with fish. And they backed down. But just flippantly, like, just to just to get rid of the having to deal with it, can't fly with fish. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd, um, yeah, I, I've had kind of similar experiences where it's like, where you start beating them up a little bit just by asking politely a bunch of different questions. And it comes down to like, ah, let me get the form out. <laughs> <laughs> Alaska Airlines, oh, that's a fish and hunting friendly airline, oh, man. If you don't have fish, you don't fly. <laughs> <laughs> and catch can Alaska Airlines, they take your fish and game and go put it in a freezer while... Uh, no way. Yeah, it goes from the baggage counter into a no freezer, way. and then it goes from the freezer out of the plane when it's time. That's customer service. Dude, they service. take fish and game serious, man. Yeah, that's great. I do want to make the point, though, that I personally believe uh, of the opinion that <clears throat> the meat does not have to be frozen a good chill, cold is good. But as long as it wasn't radiating heat, I would put it into that hopper and stick it into that plane. It's going to go into the belly of the plane and then go up to 30,000 feet where it is cold as hell. It's probably going to be cooling. I mean, unless you just happen to be flying from Florida to California via Texas and just staying in the hot zone the whole time. But yeah. for the most part, it's probably getting colder as you fly your meat's going to be fine. Even if you it was like a very, very long day of flying, it's going to stay cool. It's not going to warm up. You're going to be fine. And then you can fly with, I think, three pounds of dry ice. Oh, really? Yeah. A couple tech questions. And don't put dry ice in a Yeti hopper and seal it. Oh, it'll yeah, they're too airtight. Yeah, they they uh, we almost well, Kent Caruth and I had almost had a couple of meat bombs. Yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a couple <laughs> scary situations of dry ice and hoppers. If you leave, if you put dry ice in a hopper, leave the zipper cracked a little bit. Yeah, where it's like <laughs> it'll what, blow up. What is that whistling? And I start digging through the back of the rental car. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I never a ever mess bomb. with dry ice, man. Yeah, I had a trick. I got in trouble for talking about this one time, but we had a trick once upon a time where this is a hotel trick. You know those ice machines at hotels where you take your little bucket of ice and go out in the hallway and get ice? Mm-hmm. It's humming away down the hall. Mm-hmm. We've had, I was on, a, I was doing an NPR interview one time and someone was asking me about traveling with fish. And I said, you know, it's a good trick. <laughs> it's because we used to stick fish and keep it chilled in the ice maker at the hotel. Just oh kind of dig a trough in the back and stick your frozen fish back in there and shove the ice back <laughs> on it. I can't remember, man. Someone the the NPR station got a lot of complaints from hotel year, <laughs> from hotel from hotel people being pissed about it. Why? That's smart. That's smart. <laughs> Couple tech questions. Uh, someone off. says Steve never uses a spot and scope. What's up with that? I use spot and scopes all the time. I use spot and scopes. Ninety nine percent of my spot and scope use is giving something a careful examination after I have found it. I don't find a lot of stuff with spot and scopes. I don't know any real serious hunters that we hang with 
that sit around for hours the way we do glassing through binoculars, closing one eye and peering through a single spotting scope. It just doesn't, from what I've seen, you just in my don't find a lot of game like that. It, it just doesn't work. Yeah, you, your eyes get tired that way. You're like squinting. Um, the panning is harder. You need to have both eyes open when you're doing initial glassing. And yeah, and now there is a thing where you can mount two spotting scopes side by side mm-hmm. and look through them at the same time. Oh man, <laughs> oh baby, yeah, <laughs> show me that. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think even. Um, if you're doing a lot of like fine looking, uh, trying to locate with the spotting scope, just because of that eye relief, uh, kind of fresh perspective, it's great to bounce back and forth. Um, cause it, it almost like rejuvenates oh, you a little bit. Oh yeah, it gives you, you a little You break. mean between, bounce back and forth between your eyes? Oh no, just from, uh, binos to spotter, even when you haven't located anything uh, yet, you know. Yeah, like coos deer hunt, I oftentimes just have to lay down and just close my eyes because my eyes start to, I get oh. such like, just like a weird, like been staring through my binoculars too long. But we were just on that mule deer hunt and I carry, like I had my just regular, I do most myself with a pair of 10 power binos. So I had a pair of Vortex razors, the 10s, and then I had a 85 millimeter, so that's like the objective lens, so big ass spot and scope. And I had that thing out 10 times. Well, I don't know. We're seeing four to 10 bucks every day. Every deer we found, I'd have the spot and scope out looking at it. So it's out all the time. Or now and then it'd be like some little pocket you couldn't really see into and you're kind of curious about, I might put a spot and scope on it. Yeah. But um, every time we'd be like, there's a buck. And I would get the spot and scope out, one, to see what was up with them. And two, to scan around and see if he had any buddies hanging around, bedding under some tree nearby. So I'd always give him a, I'm doing it all the time, man. I like to keep it handy. I don't like to put it where I can't get at it. Yeah. Because then, you, then you're too lazy and you can't get it out. When you're glassing, are there different techniques that you use with your binos? For checking out a hillside? Or you yeah. Scanning? Yeah. I mean, up, down, back, forth, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Near, far, close. Yeah, mine's pretty... Um, I sit down and look at all the good stuff first, mm-hmm. and then I start picking the place apart. Yeah, like go over, down, back. Try to break it up like- into a way that may- – let's say you're looking across a flat plain at a hill, mm-hmm. and there's like a – you know, there's like a big ridge that divides the hill you're looking at. I might be like, okay, I'm going to do the left of that ridge side mm-hmm. to side. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to do the right ridge. I'm going to do the flat plain. Then I'm going to go – in that order again and 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 try to have some order to it because if you just look at all the cool looking stuff, you miss a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was curious about. Another tech question. Why fixed blades and not mechanicals? I don't know, man. Broadheads? I don't know. I just like them because they're already in the position they're supposed to be in. Fixed blades. But no, it's not. It's nothing. It's just, I'm like, oh, there it is. It's all put together. It doesn't need to do anything. I don't think that's not nothing. <laughs> I mean, like, that's my reason for shooting fixed blades. It's already the way it, <laughs> it's already the way it's supposed to be. And I don't got to wonder. Right. But, but I mean, but I know a lot of like very accomplished archers who know more about archery tackle than I ever will, who love mechanicals. But for me, it's just like one less thing. We, we used them for a while and it was kind of in the infancy not, I mean, they've been around a long time. It was kind of like when they first started becoming popular and they had the rubber bands, 
you know, and like the, 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 they'd get the, too much sunlight on them and then the rubber band would be brittle or the rubber band's not where it's supposed to be. And you're like checking your pockets for just like, I, I mess with them. And then I just, something about, I, I like one piece, I like one piece broadheads. Cause I just, I, I just look at it and I understand it and I know what's up with it. Yeah. You get a little corrosion and stuff just from like morning dew after multiple mornings in the field running around and, and they I've had them like stuck together to the point where I was like, I don't care what you run this through. It's not going to come open. Yeah. You know, it's just like old man shit. I look at yeah. it and I understand it. Nothing needed to be put together. <laughs> I just know that it's like, that's what it is. There it is. That makes sense. What's your take, Yanni? Yeah, I haven't used mechanicals much either. You know, I think that uh, the technology's come a long way with those broadheads. If I shop my bow at more critters, I'd probably try them. Um, but yeah, right now I shoot fixed because they seem more sturdy, mm-hmm. more durable. Hey, Phil, the engineer. Yeah, remember, remember how earlier today I was trying to get you to go to hunter safety? Yeah. Yeah, let's say you went to hunter safety, mm-hmm. and then you got a bow, and you learned how to shoot your bow, and then you developed this this insatiable bloodlust. Yep. Probably, <laughs> probably going to happen. Yeah. Uh, would you be a fixed man or a mechanical man? <laughs> well, I mean, just the same reasons that you're talking about. It's, it seems more simple. Probably will last longer, I'm guessing, like, like in the morning, you know, less of a chance of them falling apart. So you're with us. You're a fixed man. Yeah, from all the knowledge I know about this subject, <laughs> I've weighed the pros and cons, and I've come to the conclusion that I am a fixed man. <laughs> well stated. Uh, you can hit uh, number 31 if you want to knock out another tech question. Oh, yeah, great tech question. This one comes up a lot. You yeah. can't answer it enough. Go ahead, Cal. Give the question and the answer. What is the electrical tape on the end of your barrel? If you just answer that straight out, it would be electrical tape. But <laughs> we learned about this in hunter safety, I think. Oh, really? What they oh, say? What they tell you about this so in hunter safety? You don't get oh. like crap in your gun. They right? told you that in hunter safety. Great. So, or was maybe we test? discussed it. I can't remember. I think it was on the test. Putting a piece of tape over the. I'll have to ask Tracy. Huh? Yeah. Or is in one of the videos? I think. Really? Yeah, preventing stuff from getting down into your barrel of your gun. That's great. That's yeah. it. Yep. They didn't tell me that in hunter safety. Yeah, not that I. That's it right. was intense. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, get ready. I remember them discuss, like talking a lot about keeping your muzzle clear. You know, being aware of the fact that you could trip, stumble, poke your muzzle into the mud, and it was going to jam mm-hmm. eight inches of mud into your muzzle, which I've never seen actually happen in real life. And then you would pull the trigger, and the back pressure would cause the gun to blow up. I, I um, packed a barrel full of snow this morning. Bad. Man. Really? Mm-hmm. I uh, I packed uh, my rifle barrel full of mud, packing a bowl. The bowl was already long since expired and in pieces mm-hmm. and partially on my back, but <laughs> stumbling through the rifle slid off and, and uh, uh, that is terrible. But it got cold enough to where that whole core of mud just came out, and I swear to God, that thing was so clean. <laughs> I was Does it like, actually I don't, help? I don't understand how it worked, but um, yeah, it's just an odd. You mean a major barrel cleaner? 
Like it just, yeah, but I did a, you know, full, maybe I had just built up how dirty it was going to be in my mind. And by the time I got back and actually put a light down the barrel and looked at it, I was very amazed at how, how Mm. clean it was. Um, You feeling good about it? Yeah. This is one that I like uh, because I've heard it discussed in a lot of uh, circles with, with folks that have produced all sorts of shows and movies for Netflix, which is, does it bother you that all those months of hard work can be watched in a day? Yes. Yes. Maggie? Yeah, absolutely. When season nine? <laughs> are, you, are you getting those comments yet? Well, the number one comment. That's probably the no number what, one yeah. question on you here. You should have that as an audio thing. <laughs> When's season nine? Filming it right now. I think that's just the whole world of just, I mean, not that I work on the show, but just production and post-production. It's like a lot of stuff I do. Sometimes you have to think about it. You're like, man, the lifespan is less than 12 hours and the days and time and that I put in a, into it more or less than also all the other people working on it. It's just crazy to think about. Yeah. But, but a big motion picture that you mm-hmm. also watch in 90 to 120 minutes. Spent, they can spend years on years. it. Years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Millions of dollars for those two hours. Millions and millions. Um, but no, it's worth Nobody it. complains about that. No, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, Nar- Nartek question. Do you have a pack weight limit? How much is too much? Man, it's gone down over the years. Uh, at a time, we would carry around packs that were approaching 100 pounds. Um, and while, and it's like something really weird happens when you jump up, like even when you jump up to like 70 pounds, you put it on and you suddenly feel kind of fragile. Like you put it on and you could picture hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, I could picture tripping and hurting myself. And I have done a couple big pack outs. I don't know if it was probably not over a hundred pounds, but done a couple pack outs when I was, you know over a decade ago uh, that just that, that you didn't f- your body didn't feel right for a week or two after yeah like you pl- like just just I don't do it anymore I just don't do it anymore uh, when we weighed those what did we weigh we weighed those packs on that Washington elk hunt Yanni well, yeah I, we, I had like mine was like 84 and yours was like no low 90s maybe and they were pretty brutal who were we with one time to pull o- off a 109-pound pack? I was over the top, I think, for me on that one. Uh, can't remember. Would have been Dan Doty pulled off a pack that weighed 109 or something once. Yeah. Yours was what, 89? There's a, there's a there's a lot that you can, we could pull off. I mean, I'm sure I could carry a 130-pounder out of the woods, but I'm playing the long game these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to be hunting elk and romping the mountains well into my 60s. That means I have at least 20 years, maybe 25 of good mountain hunting and uh i'd much rather take this last bull i killed in colorado we did two trips the guy that i was with was not gonna do one big load anyways we i probably could have doubled up quarters and packed it out you know so if i had two guys like me we could have done it one trip but we just you know went lighter packs 50 to 60 pound did two trips felt great at the end of the day walked you know an extra six miles but it was a nice day to be in the mountains, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think it, it, for context, like I can put 10 days worth of what I need to live and, and honestly pretty darn comfortably in the mountains, um, on my back and the whole kit, everything I need is, is under 60 pounds for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know if that does provide context for folks, but. Yeah. Well, then you're like, you put it on and you're very aware of having that pack on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're like aware that it's there. Yeah. And th- I guess the good news there is like from the first snack on, <laughs> it's getting lighter the yeah. whole time, you know, like it will, and until it's time to start packing animals out, it's, it's not going to increase in weight. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's, I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on, on X, and I'll look at the topography, and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them, okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them, to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you, too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, 
on hand. Strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Tech question, trophy hunting question. How do you learn to gauge the size of a deer at long distance just by looking at them all the time? And the other thing is, like, you got to kind of ask yourself, like, why do you care? Uh, <laughs> we, like, I like to look. Because you like big giant bucks. Yeah. Like, the other day I was saying to someone, we were, we were hunting with some guys, and one of these guys had passed up a five-point bull. And I was saying, my new mantra is that uh, elk are for eating and mule deer are for looking for big ones. Um <laughs> Yeah, I guess you just learn little, I don't know, like a good, like for, for us, when we're like looking at mule deer and looking at coos deer and stuff, the first thing you're looking for is um, kind of like the most immediate reference is you describe bucks as like outside the ears, inside the ears, outside the ears, inside the ears. Like if you see a buck and his horns are wider than his ears, you take notice. You're like, let me get a look, Right. Yeah. There's a buck. Hey, he's inside the ears. The truly big ones doesn't matter what species of antlered animal. This is our buddy Jay Scott. This is good w- advice. say this. is like, it's going to look abnormally large on his head. It's going to make his head look little. It's, those are the truly it big ones. It looks weird. It looks weird because it's so big. You can, all the, you know, oh, it was touching his butt when he put his head back or when he turned his head, it was as wide as, you know, from his shoulders to this, that, and the other. The really big ones, they just, like, there's no question about it. If you have to try to talk yourself into it, it's not as big as you want it to be. Other things, like, if you really are, like, trying to trophy judge an animal. Well, no, before we get into that, another quick hitter is usually the more mature animals are going to have a little bit of a darker antler, Mm -hmm. especially looking at mule deer. The young, spindly ones tend to be a little bit whiter in color, a little chalkier. The darker ones are the more mature ones. But after that, it comes down to tine length. You're looking for long tines. But a big, thick, chocolatey outside the ears. We, we were talking about this the other day because we were talking about like, what, like why, why does everyone seem to, in our like group of friends and stuff, everyone sort of agrees on what's like absolutely like a shooter buck, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it just has certain, yeah, dark antlered. Yeah, a minimum amount I'll of pass his ears and oh, I, I just will looking tell you, all the time. Uh, the last time I got to go up and hunt Alberta for mule deer, uh, my spotting scope actually got stolen out of the back of my truck. So I was up there hunting without a spotting scope, and it was, like, very, very frustrating. But I – so all – I had my um, tripod and my binoculars on the tripod and was glassing, and um, – I had to, and you're looking at deer from a long way away. I had to really rely on uh, the body. Like that is a big body. It appears to have a big gut on it and it's got antlers on its head. 
I'm going to go after that buck, not the rest of these bucks, because that is just a significantly bulkier deer that, that looks older from this perspective. Sway back belly dragger. (laughs) And I, I will tell you absolutely no exaggeration. I was consistently hunting larger deer than the guys that were hunting with spotting scopes. Is that right? Yeah, because they're, it's like, you want to go take off and chase a deer and, and go hunt it. And and I would have been the exact same way, but, and they were like, boy, that's a really nice deer. Boy, that's a really nice deer. And they're like, it's got to be big. Like a little bit of talking yourself into it because you, you're raring to go and you want to go. I give every deer hunt. the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I start out assuming every deer is a buck and every buck is a biggin. <laughs> <laughs> until, like proof, <laughs> until it proves otherwise, that's my operating assumption. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. See, here's a question that has nothing to do with uh, the season eight of Meat Eater. How long can you keep properly packaged frozen wild game before eating it? Depends on what it is. I just, uh, my wife and I stayed up late last night and... Uh, I made a big, big mess and got in trouble because I decided to defrost my freezer, which we're going through a cold <laughs> snap right now. And I was it's thinking, a great time for freezer to. I was thinking it. about your dad saying, "You know what? Don't curse the darkness. Light a candle. It's zero negative something out there right now." That's a great idea. Pull all, everything out of your freezer. Just chuck it on the back deck. At our house, you do have to cover it because the magpies will get after smart. it. I don't know how the hell they figure out that there's meat out there. We were talking about the other bags, day. It's like, I know, because if it's just a piece of, if it's a bone with some scrap on it, I always like, oh, it's color. But how do they know? I don't know. God, they got a good nose on them. Yeah, it must be. It must be the nose. So anyways, the day before, I just uh, turned the freezer off after I emptied it and opened up the plug at the bottom thinking, ah, there's like a little bit of, you know, frost in there that needs to melt out when I came home. It was like, not half, but like, you know, there was a good 10 foot radius around the freezer. <laughs> a puddle. Really? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I need to defrost my freezer. But so uh, anyways, we put it all back in there last night and uh, there was a tenderloin, elk tenderloin from 2017. I get so attached to those things yeah. that I'm like, ah, let's, you guys aren't worth it. <laughs> Let's save it for another year. I got no problem. I think it's going to be a great piece of meat. Oh, oh fine, absolutely. Man. Especially that. I would say, like, depends what it is, meaning I like to eat my, when we go to our fish shack and bring salmon home, I like to get them eaten up. Yes. All that seafood does not do well. It doesn't do well. Like, any, any, all seafood. Like, if you got, if you got bluegill fillets, you know, there's that fish giant Trevally, mm-hmm. and everybody likes to call them GTs. Mm hmm. I'm going to start calling bluegills BGs. <laughs> if you got bluegill fillets, they're so lean, you know what I mean? If you Delicious. freeze, like, bluegill fillets in water, I mean, you can keep them for a long time. But generally, like, seafood, I just like to get rid of it. If I, I was going to say that I think that the high that a high fat content has to do with something, has to do with how little, how, what am I trying to say? Fatty Less, fish can't freeze long. Sure, or fatty meat. Mm-hmm. For that matter, you yeah. know, pork just doesn't last. the 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 fat ends up going bad. Yeah, bear meat that's not properly trimmed goes bad fast in the freezer. Like the fat goes rancid in the freezer. Properly trimmed, mm-hmm. like let's just say we're talking about venison, elk, or de- members of the deer family. Trim the tallow off. Trim the fat off. It lasts for years. If you you can vac seal it, but then you got to take care of the bags and. 
I use a vac sealer for seafood because I, like, I think it does a nice job of seafood. But I like to wrap my red meat. I like to wrap it in plastic wrap, and I like to wrap it in wax freezer paper. And good tight wrap, then put the wax freezer paper on it. Seems like a lot, but you can eat it years later. I quit labeling the meat in my freezer. I quit labeling the date because then people, I don't like having to explain the date to people. Right? Yeah. And my wife looks in there and she sees something that says 2017. Well, you're like, what the hell is that? I just don't even put it on it and no one has to know. Then when yeah. I don't have to explain why stuff on my counter says three years ago. If it, yeah. if, it, if it came down to it. It's not like David Meltzer brought over the shit from 2017. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dug it up. But I, I, I try to do a, what, how do you call it? We talked about this. Uh, last in, first, last in, first out. It's first in, first out. Or, yeah. Yeah, I used to work at a grocery store. I'm first in, yeah. I try to do first <laughs> in, first out. And in fact, now that hunting season is totally rolling, I have a plan. I need to go do some organization and I'm going to take uh, anything I have from last year is going into my kitchen freezer. And and the rule being that that's all gone before anybody, because I still have some stray stuff from last year. That's all gone before anybody taps into this year. Yeah. Even though I've been eating this year already, because if I come home with stuff, rather than just freezing it, I'll sometimes just start eating it. Yeah. Which makes like, sense. like, why freeze it and thought, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a good rotation. It's so nice to do a little freezer clean because you f- forget you have all these little goodies. Like I found a couple <laughs> bags of crabs that you brought for me that hadn't gotten eaten yet. So those From are like, this year. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> they didn't have a date on them. <laughs> There's a reason for that. <laughs> um, what else did I find in there? Some turkey liver pate that I froze. Ugh. I'm going to save for some little yeah. fancy cocktail dinner time type thing. I hope I'm invited. Here's one. <laughs> Ready for one? How do you know when you're done? Okay. I'd love to know more about shooting and wounding an animal. How do you know when you're done searching? At what point is the breaking point for giving in? Oh, that's tough. Yanni? <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, I think when you're exhausted. No, that, well, that's not true. No, that's stupid. It's not stupid. You're exhausted. Well, if you're already it, tired, you're, it's gonna be no exhausted from the looking part. You got because there's been times when I've we've gone back to camp. I've gone back to camp, gotten a full night's rest, and then searched all the next day and become exhausted from looking. Not exhausted from the hunt. Um, it's but, mentally taxing too. Oh man, yeah, no, yeah, mes- mentally and physically exhausted. But when you just I don't know when you just feel like there's no hope, you have to start. What happens, I think, after a while with a lot of experience of uh, hitting animals with projectiles and making good and bad hits is that you just get to read. You see the same things play over and over and over again. Like when you see a broadhead, the broadhead tipped arrow going to an elk's shoulder four, five, six, maybe even eight inches. I, you know what? I'm like probably not going to do too much looking. I've just seen too many of those. It's just like, dude, that that thing gets hit worse when he fights with his buddy tomorrow, you know, from the antler times, right? So you, after a while, you learn to read those hits, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, that, if, like, I, if I had to answer the question, that's why I deferred to you. If I had to answer it, I would say that the more you're exposed to, the more you start to, like, make sense of things, and you and it changes your approach. 
Where if you're like, I that thing, I know that thing's dead, or I know that thing's not going to die. Right. Yeah, but man, it's the assumption that mm-hmm. that's such a killer, too. Like I, I mean, I've just seen the most bizarre stuff, and in that bowl I lost in New Mexico, like it was such a non-lethal hit, and it like that placement, the every, the penetration was just a non-lethal hit. The way the bull moved afterwards, followed the tracks, no blood, no nothing, non-lethal, non-lethal, non-lethal. The one thing, though, is he was still packing that arrow. And I swear to God, man, like what we found when we ultimately found the bull, which was just pure dumbass luck, um, was like, I, you know, backtrack from where the carcass is. And I swear to God, that thing laid down and jammed that arrow Oh. Into him, you know, but I, I was like oh, doing my due diligence yeah. here, falling and falling tracks that I know aren't going to amount to anything. And then well, you sh- really have to do that. Yeah, man. If when people make sign- the call without even walking over, that's bad. Yeah. You should never do that. And there's some things you learn. Like I, I was on a track and job one time, something we didn't find where you find like a bone fragment and not a lot of blood. Yeah. Been and you're there. like lower, you know, you're like, okay, lower leg. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I've been there. You know, then, then it's, like I said, there's little telltale signs, man, where you're like, people be like, holy shit, he must be real dead. There's a bone fragment laying here. Like, how would that happen? And you're like, well, it happened because you hit him in the, you Yeah. Know, but he's gone. I uh, been Still got to look. Long time since I told this story, but I was way back when, when I was guiding antelope hunters, guy shot this buck, pancaked it. I was like, oh, something didn't look right. And, and he was very, very excited. Um, real nice antelope buck. And I'm like, reload, reload, reload. And he was kind of in the throes of like triumph. And finally he snaps back into it, but just in time to see that antelope get up and haul ass out of there and go over. And there is like the very top, uh, I gotta learn the name of what this is, but you know, like the long spine uh chunks of bone that come up from the spine like the on the thoracic neck. process is that on, on the neck yes yeah um how'd you like that maggie that was really like that dude very impressive is that the corrected very version very uh impressive that i knew that yeah someone wrote someone wrote in about that might even been our chiropractor buddy the Jay. thoracic processes or whatever no that it was uh I wish Phil, give, the editor, was more, or uh, Phil, second. the engineer, like, did a lot of fact-checking. <laughs> Way outside of his job description. <laughs> we can s- make it my job description. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to rewrite that description. Uh, yeah. But we have <laughs> a significant <laughs> Medical fact-checking. There yeah. is hair, blood, and a, that top of that bone laying on the prairie. Oh, my gosh. And really? Huh? Yeah. I've never seen that. Had a uh, client two weeks later kill that buck. Really? Yeah. And you knew it was the same one just because of... Oh, because of the giant scar the ga- and yeah. cake blood <laughs> and pus and... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here, you want to hear... This is from Brian. You hunted with Brian at uh, the the auctioned TRCP hunt last year yes. in Colorado. I asked him about it after someone else had written in about it, and he replied... For most mammals, the projections off the vertebrae are generally referred to as spinous processes and transverse processes. 
Oh, that sounds an, like mostly right. That's an educated guess. I have not heard of thoracic processes, but that doesn't mean that one doesn't exist. Oh. <laughs> the thoracic is just the first one. Mm. So it's the... I was mostly wrong. Well, the thoracic is is seven vertebrae, isn't it? Because it goes cervical, thoracic, lumbar, the sacrum, spin, spinous process. Yeah, whatever. I was mostly right. Uh, a couple <laughs> folks, that, but actually a lot of folks ask this, different forms of the same question. What do you guys pack for food for the longer hunts? Like the Alaska doll sheep hunt. Um, that, was, that episode was a lot of people's favorite episode. It's contemplative, contemplative. Mm-hmm. I go with contemplative. And the scenery is. Uh, beautiful scenery. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like quiet and poetic and nice music. Anyhow, what do you well, eat on n- that stuff? N- and now, too, I'd like to add that we have sort of, we have a very good spectrum um, within the media library of what doll sheep hunts can be like. Yes. Because when you went on, the, when you had the toke tag, we ran up there. We found a ram before the opening day, and then got it that morning. Yeah, I mean, we found a mid. No, it wasn't because remember it was super foggy. We probably actually didn't even see him till probably close to noon. But anyways, yeah, that next day. Yeah, I shouldn't say got him that morning, but he was dead. And uh, we kind of complained, or at least mentioned, we're like, man, sure missed out on running a bunch of ridges. That would have been fun. Well, we got to run our. (laughs) Actually, we didn't run too many ridges because it was too cloudy. We ran ridges. a lot of valley floors. We ran a lot of valley floors on this last trip. But, um, yeah, we have, we have both types of doll sheep hunts, and then there's everything in between. I'm going to give our, you know, we're this is the first time anyone's mentioned this, and I hesitate to even mention it. We are working on two books. Um. One of these books will contain a lot of information, like what I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, Our basic backcountry meal plan goes like this. Um, Instant coffee. Oh, check this out. We use Starbucks Via. Mm. Um, We use Starbucks Via and bags of powdered creamer. So it looks like you got a bag of Coke in a, in a cocaine movie. You guys want to rub it on your lips and go, that's good shit. But uh, A lot of people like to complain about the Via. I'm we've, done. We've done tried a lot of other products. It's yet hard to, to find, beat. Well, yet to find one. a dude in Missoula. He found one. Well, yeah. hear me out. Hear me out. This dude in Missoula, Sam, Ooh. I got his address on my desk. Uh, I'm done with the Vias because it's micro trash, man. Uh, it does leave a lot of micro trash but you gotta police your micro trash but here's the thing I thought you know this guy I do oh yeah there's a guy Sam yeah is that right BHA supporter darn good guy he sent me I think it's like the surfing dude Laird Hamilton Mm -hmm. is that am I correct well, that is a man. surfing dude. He's the man. Okay. Yeah. I like Mark Healy myself. Well, I like well, him too. Yeah, yeah, Mark yeah, Healy yeah. doesn't make the product I'm talking about. <laughs> He's got like the, 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 all these coffees. Anyways, he sent me this coffee and I haven't tried it yet because I'm saving it for a backcountry trip. It's coffee and creamer mixed. Really? It's oh, I saw that. Layered superfood, original and sure. I don't know. There's like a sweet one, original one. It's like. Yeah. Instant coffee, and it's the creamer is supposed to be made of. And it's funny because he wrote a letter saying, "I don't know that you're in me." He, like he's saying, "I don't know you," meaning me. Um, if you're into superfood, 
but maybe Giannis is. Like, he has Giannis's personality more packed as one likely to be in a superfood. But I am in a superfood because I think squirrel is superfood. There's a lot of things I, I yeah, there's like a lot I think I have because you just get to name shit you think is a superfood, right? Yeah. I, I think squirrel's a superfood. Um, I'm in a superfood. I like it. But I'm looking forward to trying that. But I, I wanted to give our, our, our I want to try that too. Here's our basic, here's our basic backcountry meal plan. Hold on. You I'm wake not, up in I'm the morning. I'm with the coffee. <laughs> I'm not done with the coffee yet. So I switched over to going back to old old school. No just Cafe? Getting, just getting the, the gl- unfortunately, like little glass jar of whatever. Folgers. Instant. Yeah, yeah we, just, we just drank that for eight days. You know? Cause I, like, no, I didn't. I didn't want to I drank man. via the whole time. Other people that we were with had to drink it. Taster's Choice. I'm, no, I'm running yeah, the whole Noah's Cafe. Again. Taster's Choice. Yeah, the one that uh, I think has the Mexican flag on there. It's no, like what now, Yanni? Well, I was just thinking to myself, you know what? It would have been a great product for the backcountry, but I don't. I'm trying to buy it right now on uh, Google, and I don't know if it's uh, available. But General Foods International Coffee. Remember those? They were like a rectangular box with the red yeah. lid kind snap, of o- snap oval. on snap off yeah. lid yeah and it had everything that you needed in there creamer sugar caffeine but I don't I'm not seeing it right now on the internet they might have gone out of business yeah they might not be around I'm looking forward to that stuff that dude Sam sent me I need to write him a thank you note um, so uh, let me give my meal, our meal plan alright you, you guys can complexify this all you want what are you going to start with breakfast I started with coffee I'm just not going as quick as I wanted to <laughs> A Starbucks via. Then, whether you do or do not use cream, we'll usually take a little container. Some guys put it, some of our WPAs put it in a Ziploc bag, which drives me crazy. It's better to have like a little container. You get an REI in the little container section mm-hmm. full of cream. Yep. Oatmeal. Two envelopes per person. Instant oatmeal packages. You eat the oatmeal out of the bag. Just like <laughs> what? 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 I, I'm I'm gonna have to interject because I said you can complexify it all you want. Oh, okay. I'm trying to help people out. Go ahead. I, what? I, what? Now? I know, but we've like it's it's not. It, I don't think you're being honest by saying that that is like our go-to anymore because you might eat two of those packets per trip. Like we, we just like those things. He was not, asking about our uh, like a doll sheep hunt. What might one plan on bringing? Okay, but okay, that was one All thing. Right, never mind. You know what? Sorry, I, your answer, your question cannot be answered. No, it can't be answered. <laughs> I'm just saying, are you going to add more breakfast items? Because that's like it's not. I want everybody. to Yeah, know the because good I communication like being taken. I like <laughs> the. I like those vinegary Heather's choice. Breakfast. Yep. Those are good. That's not oatmeal. No. But it's like a quick little thing. I tell you what I don't like is as much as I love house, I don't like house. I don't like house's breakfast skillet. Yeah. We ate quite a few of those on that trip though. Um okay, so (laughs) bagels and cream cheese. I like that. But I'm trying to talk about like a real Anybody can figure out how to feed themselves. I'm trying to talk about like if you re- like like a backpacking, a plausible backpacking menu. Mm-hmm. Let me do this. I'm gonna talk about a time Giannis wasn't there. Instant coffee, instant oatmeal. Then for lunch, you have flatbread. 
with sliced meat and cheese and you have a container of uh, mayo or mustard or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my brother likes to have an onion that he adds into it. And you make a little thing where you get like two flatbreads and a bunch of meat and cheese. We used to use Carl Buddig lunch meat because it can't rot. <laughs> like it can't rot. I don't know how. You could have it for months in the back of your truck mm, and it's delicious. as fresh. <laughs> it's as fresh somehow, <laughs> as fresh as the day you bought it. So we used to like that stuff. Or you can bring donk, like summer sausage, mm. whatever. Like a meat and a cheese that you put on a flatbread and you put mayo or mustard and that's your lunch, your We've dinner. We've had good luck with all kinds of cured meats lately because they have some of the same properties as the Carl yeah. Budding. Is it Budding or Budding? Carl. Um, we always call it Carl. We didn't even <laughs> use the second word. You guys are thinking You're about like, that. Hey, you go down. I'll get, I'll get the instant coffee. You go to the grocery store. I'll get the instant coffee. You get a bunch of Carl. I'll meet you at <laughs> checkout. And everybody <laughs> knows what that meant. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, dinner, house. And then all throughout the day, you're eating tons of bars. And you're getting really jealous of the guy at night who has some Pringles <laughs> or corn chips. And then it's great to have candy bars and bars, and you eat those all throughout the day. And then uh, some decaffeinated tea is usually a big hit mm-hmm. at night. The follow-up question is, well, what kind of bars do you guys like? The answer is... All and none. All of them and none of them. <laughs> Just get yourself a variety, because no matter what your favorite is, if it's freaking chocolate coconut today, in two days, chocolate coconut will not be your favorite anymore. Yeah. Uh, some favorites. Pro Bar. Nothing with fruit. I don't like any fruity Pro Bar. I'm a fruit lover. Uh, we like <laughs> Pro Bar. We like Packaroons. Yep, from, from Heather's Choice. Yeah, Heather's Choice. those are good. Dude. Oh, my man. I haven't heard of those. I like those. Those are good. Yeah, we, I just got a little box of those. Uh, my nostalgia one is the like the uh, sweet and salties. Yeah. They all, do nothing mm-hmm. for you. No. no all nutritionally. Nothing sweet for you, salty. But it's like eating a candy bar. It's yeah. like a hybrid between a candy bar and a granola bar. Yeah. Makes you feel better, though. We, eat, um, that. we eat those ones that are all like, it's just like health food. It's like, it'll say on the package, like, four dates, three eggs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bar, RX bar, RX bars. RX bar, yeah. We eat a lot of kind. I'm a big kind bar guy. Agreed. Snickers. People always buying Snickers. Yeah. For Snickers our... with almonds. I ate a bunch on my last trip. That was a, a lot nice of Snickers. Um, the only time I think I ever eat a Snickers is when I'm around Giannis, who's like, <laughs> oh, we always him. have He's them. got them. It's always in our loot. There's <laughs> always had, Snickers in our loot. You had Starburst when we were turkey hunting. Yeah. That's what you had in your pocket. Anything like that gets eaten up. Oh yeah. If you were Werther's, smart, Werther's. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you were smart, you'd shop. No, we talked about this. You might not be smart to do that. Um, I say if you're smart, you'd come out of the mountains, not eat anything, and then go to a grocery store and buy all your stuff for your next trip. Yeah. But then your next trip would be like Pringles, corn chips, hot dogs, <laughs> pizza, rotisserie chicken. It'd be like all the stuff where you're like just like totally calorie starved. You'd like go into a store and be like, I'll take all this. Uh, miso soup, instant miso soup Mm. for cold weather hunts, man. It's really salty. It's just a nice treat and it recharges all that lost sodium. Mm. Like mid, midday when I fire up the jet boil, when it's weather like this, man. I've done the same thing with chicken and beef stock cubes. Those little bouillon cubes. Mm -hmm. 
That's good. I like pickle juice. Okay, let's do one more. In the back country? Salt. Like a hot pickle some, juice? No not way. hot, but I brought some turkey honey in my water bottle. <laughs> wow. Full, is it cut with a bunch of water or is it all pickle juice? Pickle juice. Wasn't can the you, full can thing you buy full. just pickle juice or did you have to? You can buy it, but I had pickles at home. So I just poured the juice in a, I had like a small water bottle and I just brought that with me because I like Gatorade and I had Gatorade powder in that. Last question. Salt. We all know <laughs> what the answer is for Maggie. Everybody gets to do it and that's going to be a wrap. Even Phil, we're even going to let you do it. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> what animal gets your blood pumping the most <laughs> and why? We know for Maggie, it's obviously turkeys. Sneaky Pete. Yeah. <laughs> One specific when turkey. When Maggie gets around a turkey, she loses her ability to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things going on in my head. <laughs> We're like, never shoot him in full strut unless uh, he's in full strut. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> we'll never live this down. Later you're like, hold on, did I say that? Yeah, like, forget that, man. If he's in full strut, go. <laughs> yeah. Listen to me all the time. <laughs> Except for this. But then you got to know when not to listen to me. Um, I wish I had, like, a little Steve, like, still, like Phil would have been there with a soundboard, and it could have been you going, shoot, in my head. <laughs> oh, I would have been flipping out. <laughs> So, uh, Maggie, I'm going to let you answer. I don't mean to answer for you. I'll go first. What animal gets my blood pumping the most and why? Um, uh, wild turkeys, mule deer, and uh, it's just so much fun to hunt squirrels. It's like fun to go out with your friends and hunt squirrels. Wild turkeys and mule deer and squirrels just because it's so like it's not the squirrels so much as it's like the how it's just is always so enjoyable. Oh yeah, all the pressures of a big game hunt aren't there. It's just nice. like you're just having you're just laughing and having fun. Just fun. Walk around the woods with your buddies looking for squirrels. Gets my blood pumping. But like big mule deer bucks get my blood up pumping. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I mean, I I man. I, the quest for a big mule deer buck is still one I am on, and I'm in this bad spot where I feel like I've blown like three chances of a lifetime at just a monster buck. Yeah, I've only I'm, I've almost gotten too many of them. Uh, yeah, man, but you're Steve Ranella. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think of all the resources you have at your, those big fat fingertips of yours. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just an average Joe. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. So I've lost my cool on those damn things, like embarrassingly twice. Um, and so, yeah, man, that, that's still, still at the top of the list. And I feel like for a long time, I've compartmentalized elk into you go in the freezer. Like, elk are eating. Like I'm just, I'm just <laughs> shuffling you into the freezer. No time to get too excited. Like, let's just get on with the process yeah, here, elk buddy. Elk are for eating. Mule deer are for looking for big ones. Yeah. But that, I want to get a t-shirt that says that. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Phil? Hey. Uh, it's kind of a different answer. Um, <laughs> it's whichever uh, whichever of the deer that jump out in front of my car uh, when I'm <laughs> taking the, the rural <laughs> roads into town during the winter. Those are the ones that get my blood pumping. I hear you for separate reasons <laughs> than uh, than you guys, but uh, I like Phil, man. He's got a smart answer. Yep, he's quick on his too. toes, yep. man. Yeah, 
I think he's getting wiser because of the the. Can we jump over and talk about Phil's mustache real quick? I mean, mm. the growth is hmm. the luxuriant. I like it, luxuriant. But you do, <laughs> you do need to dye it. <laughs> yeah, we've talked stat. about this. You know, like with Phil, the curtains don't match the drapes. <laughs> yes, of his face. Of my face. <laughs> The drapes of my face. Thank you for that clarification. Um, yeah, we've talked about just for men. Touch of gray is what Lakata <laughs> suggested, I think. Or, <laughs> just to look distinguished. But yeah, it's for my Halloween costume tomorrow. Uh, I hope you guys will be here in the office. For I'm, I can't wait to <laughs> see I can't it. wait. For as much time already, as he spends with the headphones on, I want like a real newscaster type of haircut to go with that mustache. It'd be great. Mm, like it's like a side part. Yes. Kind of nice. Exactly. Quaffed. <laughs> yeah. Quaffed. Yes. No one's ever used that word on this podcast. Quaffed. No. Well, first time. Making history. First time. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Titillating. Many times. Yes, I'm sure. Many times. Quaffed. Never. Mm-hmm. Crooner. Nope. Crooner. Can you define quaff? Okay. Oh, you got like a like a like a pompadour. You know, you got a little bit of a lift, a curl, mm-hmm. and a lift. Just say more of that at ten. Yeah. More of that. <laughs> Already ruined it. No, nope, can't do it. Say, um, say, uh, let's go to Bill outside. Let's go to Bill outside. Bill? <laughs> Dude, this guy's good, man. He's very talented. I did the morning <laughs> announcements in, at my high school. So you good did. experience. <laughs> uh, Yanni? Uh, it's still turkeys. Same as the last three times I answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. Nope. Uh, <laughs> you want me to... To expound. No, no. What more is there to say? It's same as Maggie, man. Gets your blood pumping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you sure weren't uh, helping her get that turkey. Yeah, you did. I was flustered too. A lot going on there. Maggie, what animal gets your blood most pumping? Well, I have to say a turkey. You know about getting flustered when there's at. turkeys up close, don't you? No? No, my blood runs cold. Because huh. that same episode, <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, the only other thing is uh, I had a cockroach crawl at me one time while I was sleeping. You got your right, blood pumping? Right here. That. Yeah. At the base of your yeah, tonsils. Yeah, crawled up while we were living in Puerto Rico and was like right here. And I screamed just, yeah. I was that, I don't think that's what they mean. Yeah. Oh, wait, got my blood pumping. <laughs> But mostly yeah. Turks. Yeah. Sure. It's the only thing I've gone after, so we'll see. Well, Ask me that gonna, question Cal's in a gonna year. going to change that in the next couple of weeks, months. Cool. Yeah. Dude, man, you got to do a deer hunt, man. All right. I got my tag. I went and bought that. Yes. Joe told me to do that, so I did. Good. Good, yes. I'm going to go buy my but, uh, duck stamp right now. Well, as soon as we're done eating cookies for your birthday. Oh, go get Maggie's my, birthday. I'm going to go get Old. my duck stamp. Duck stamp. Old. Old Mags. How, how old are you? Old Marge is what they call me upstairs. <laughs> you, haven't even, you haven't even hit 30 yet. <laughs> no. How old old Marge. 29. Oh, you got one more year of that. Mm-hmm. Some people find their peak at different ages, Steve. It's old Mags. Uh, old Marge. I'm looking oh forward to hitting my peak. <laughs> <laughs> it's yet to come. I'm going to stay optimistic. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. I hope these questions are uh, helpful to people. And biggest thing I got to say is this. Season 8 of Meat Eater, available now on Netflix. Go there, stream the whole damn thing, uh, and, then, and then leave it on so it just appears like you can't stop watching. Thank you. 
telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to deck.com slash meat eater. Get yourself some free shipping. Hey, if you follow wildlife news at all, you're probably aware that the island of Maui has an incredible abundance of Axis deer, so much so that they're causing ecological damage. Well, Maui Nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. 